Healthy Ramble Podcast. Grab your horoscope for this week as we ramble on about the Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, discussing many of things including the S's and not Z's under Ash's eyes. But before the spoiler cast, we'll be going over this week's news, including the big update to Pokemon Masters. So go grab a cup of cocoa as we discuss some Tapu Cocoa. Welcome to the first episode of the Poke Rumble podcast for this Sunday, episode three. <laughs> I'm your host, Kamel, and I'm joined by the Battle Frontier brain himself, Amit. How goes it? Episode three. Episode The first ever episode three. First take as well. Yeah, this, this definitely was the first take. It wasn't like the third or fourth or fifth take that we did. <laughs> How are you? I'm I'm doing good. I mean, this week's been um, a bit hectic. There's been a lot of game news, and uh, I've been just watching watching all the game news, you know, and reacting to it. So yeah, it's been it's been we've a bit of a struggle together, this week. Uh, we've also put together a pretty special episode this week, um, which we'll talk about more in a second. But yeah, it's been it's been a, a long odd journey to get to this week's podcast. Hey, but you want you want a quiz today, didn't you? So hey, so I did do a quiz today. So you know, it's all good. <laughs> I do appreciate Caesar, you know, acknowledging this was done on the first try as well. So, you know, just thought I'd give a little shout out there. Um, but yeah, we've got so much to talk about this week, and I didn't really expect it, especially with the DLC being out next week. I didn't think there'll be much to talk about, but should we just get right into it? Let's do it. Should we do it? We'll do it. So you want to be a Pokemon Masters? Okay, so this week in, in in the news, we've got a lot of Pokemon Masters news. Um, and I didn't expect it. So the what we got was a, essentially a developer message, and this is the 11th one um, from the team. Um, and honestly, I'll, I'll say one thing. They've done a stellar job of communication throughout the life of this game. Um, we recently had a survey where they asked us a bunch of questions. Um, and it seems with this update they've just given us, they've taken back um, a lot of the feedback uh, that we've given them and they will be implementing them. How? Well, we'll start with this first point. Um, so there'll be a lot of a uh, seasonal sort of costumes and signature suit uh, costumes coming to the game um, and it'll be done, I think the first one's going to be in the summer. Uh, but it's going to be much more frequent than it used to be. Um, the last time we had a seasonal pair was Rosa and Sealbold back in uh, winter. Um, and I just want to quickly acknowledge the picture on the screen that you see is some fan art done by Han Han Fan on uh, Reddit. So go give her a follow or check out her work. She's done a stellar job with this sort of artwork. But um, I had a question. If they're going to be making these seasonal pairs more often, and they're going to be obviously basing them on seasons, what season a seasonal pair would you want to see, my good friend? So I had to I had to think about um, my favorite season is autumn. Uh, so I was thinking of who my autumnal pair might be, and I guess what I, what I thought of is my favorite things in autumn. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, and I know this is going to sound weird. First thing that obviously stood out was food. Uh, so I, I obviously had to <laughs> Wait, jump through food? the. Um, yeah, it's harvest season, so it's when all the oh, good you course, know sorry. fruits and berries and, and all the food is out. So. Um, for me, uh, Mallow is the person who I think should be uh, front and centre of a harvest. Yeah, that's, that's um, a good idea. Excellent cook. Excellent cook. Um, I guess not, maybe not officially a gym leader, but certainly, um, you know, someone who, who would take the grass type and, and be, I think, a perfect match for the nature side of uh, autumn. Mm -hmm. 
And the other one uh, for me, and this might be a stranger one, is is Riona, the flying type gym leader from Generation Three. Yeah. Um, just to bring that autumnal breeze, that fresh breeze that you know, uh, for me, just you know, really captures that autumnal feel, brings the really great smells of you know the leaves and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be my my pair for the autumn. Who would be the the Pokemon? Sorry. Uh, probably for Mallow, it would be. Uh, I wanted to say Appleton because mm -hmm. I feel like an apple pie is exact exactly what Mallow needs. <laughs> that's um, actually pretty good. So that's that's probably my match there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for Weona, I think it would need to be something like uh, maybe Swallow, uh, or just like a, 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 it would need to be more like a, a a bird who is very calm on the wind. I, th I think Riding Swallow would be breeze. good uh, eating berries off the floor and stuff like that. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah, and I was trying to think of a, of a Pokemon that was much more calm on the wind rather than someone who is a bit more aggressive. Because for me, autumn is that time where everything sort of slows down and you kind of get to enjoy the the literally the fruits of the summer and all the hard work that you put in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think for me, that's that's my pair. I mean, I did I did think of other uh, trainers like Milo, but I feel like other most of the other grass grass type trainers, Milo, uh, Ramos, are much more sort of herders and farmers and I, I was thinking it's sort of springtime for them because particularly for milo with his sheep mm -hmm. um you know lambing season and things like that i think for him and ramos is is their time so no for me it's it's mallow and it's uh Weona. i do want uh mallow and appleton now i really do <laughs> let's make it happen let's give some feedback to the team hey i'm glad that i've sold you on it <laughs> now i i went with the summer theme right and what's popular in Go summer ahead. beaches right so right i know everyone is going to think Cynthia swimsuit, but I didn't go the obvious route. I went this route. I went Bruno and Clubopus or Crabola, right? Because nice. he would yes. he would sort of make like a good lifeguard. He's always got his shirt nice. off anyway, okay. so you know, no change there. And then he loves training, so he can run along the sand while making sure everyone's all right. That's what I was sort of thinking. Bruno is absolutely lifeguard material. <laughs> Uh, I'll move on quickly to the next pair I thought of was Misty, <laughs> Misty and her anime pair of Psyduck as well because Psyduck's a fan favorite so might as well get some representation in there um, and the rationale for this is so she'll be in a beach sort of outfit but if you remember from the anime her and her sisters were doing a show in Cerulean City so it just makes sense for her to have some sort of swimsuit outfit anyway and I think Psyduck instead of Gyarados, because Gyarados I think we're going to get as a Cigna pair anyway. So yeah, Misty would be the other one to compliment uh, Bruno uh, for a summer sort okay. of seasonal pair. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what, the, uh, what the Pokemon company will give us in Pokemon Masters. But I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to make up our own pairs and um, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. compare and, and see if we that. get something like that. I hope we get Appleton. <laughs> we'll move on to the next piece of news from Pokemon Masters, and that's a new feature. Um, there'll be a new battle feature where champions will be introduced, and alongside champions, you'll have the Elite Four. Um, so I've just put a graphic up, and you're going to have Lance, Agatha, Bruno, and Lorelei, including Blue, uh, for the first sort of set of champions. Now, we haven't got a release date of when this will be implemented. Um, but I was just thinking, with this news, are these going to replace what we have... Uh, now which are EX challenges which were essentially the hardest battles at one point now they're nerfed down but these are really hard battles but they were really rewarding in in that you'd get these gears that upgrade your pairs so I wonder if this feature is going to replace you know EX challenges because we haven't had one for a long time but what do you think of, of being able to battle these champions and whatnot oh it's great it's I, I mean anytime you get to take on some of the the greatest trainers from the games mm -hmm. Uh, even just looking at that screen, it makes me excited. Just thinking of the nostalgia of 
of red and blue and then fire red leaf green mm -hmm. i mean that's always a happy sight for me so nice to see them making a comeback and actually do you know what? i remember when i did the first first wave of vx battles and thinking they were extremely hard yeah um it was also fun mm -hmm. um i liked the fact that you had to really think about it often you needed to make sure that you were coordinating with teammates yeah. so i hope that yeah. i hope that this is still challenging i hope it's not not a breeze and particularly if it's not something you need to grind too much to get items from it would be lovely to um to have it be a real sort of boss boss challenge mm -hmm. well i've got you some very exciting news and that's that new egg events will be added in july um uh, and these eggs will have a chance of having a shiny pokemon in them um which is really interesting because Ooh. we've got shinies before pokemon rumble rush <laughs> which is really weird to me but hey um but Here's some less exciting news, um, and is that DNA are going to be reworking the solve system um, in the game um, and adding a sort of stamina system. So you doing certain things uses up stamina. Stamina is used to be able to play the game. Um, now, they have um, said that this will not affect certain areas like Legendary Arena, which I'll get into in a minute, Battle Arena, uh, Battle Villa, or co-op battles and some event battles. Um, but it does mean that if you don't play in any of those modes, um, you'll be restricted to how much you can play the game in a day. Um, and the rationale for this is that they want to make players play, uh, spend less time playing the game. Um, and what they'll do to com compensate this is they'll give you more rewards from battles and stuff like that. Now, I don't really like the idea of being restricted about how much I can play the game, you know, because sometimes I just maybe want to go into the game and, you know, mess about with a few sync pairs or whatever. So what do you think of this sort of proposed change to, to the game? I know I know you're finding this strange, but actually that's one of the things that might bring me back to Pokemon Masters. One of the things I find really frustrating with mobile games, particularly free-to-play games, is that you often have to invest a huge amount of time on a regular basis just to keep up with the pace of other players. Mm -hmm. And I know that for some people, getting to play unlimited, you know, as much as they want to is uh, something they kind of need. But for myself, you know, obviously I've got work and I've got a busy schedule. Knowing that, you know, if keeping up with Pokemon Masters is only a one hour, half an hour, whatever it is, you know, time frame per day or per week, um, actually makes the game a bit more accessible to me again. And I, I go from having to worry about spending literally, I think when I first picked up Pokemon Masters, like four or five hours a day just trying to grind to get the best items and the best stuff. Um, in some ways, I don't think it's a bad thing that they've kind of put a bit of a restriction on. Um, I think, you know, that might make the game a bit easier for some people to keep up with, um, particularly as, you, you know, the game moves into uh, a longer time frame over the course of, you know, a year and then two years. Um, there will always be a diehard audience who want to play as much as they can, but actually to get new players up to speed and, and be able to take on the, the freshest content you need a bit of a barrier there to make sure that you're not kind of letting players run so far ahead that new players can never catch up in terms of you know the levels of their poke or the levels of their sync pairs and, and all of that stuff so i can see the trade-off and and certainly for me having played pokemon masters a huge amount when they released one of the things for me that it really did was take too much of my life away from me so yeah, i'm not against it uh, on principle i'm sure i know and i can understand people who would be uh, i absolutely can sympathize with them but i think for me it's actually one of the things that could make me come back to the game counterpoint it's not going to help you catch up with anybody no it, it might not it might not i think i think it's more for me um it's probably not about catching up i think for me it's more if i've got a game that i can play for an hour and then i can put it down I'm, that's probably better and healthier for me than a but game that i could spend i mean it's no different to what you can do now play for an hour and put it down 
Um, no, no, it's, it's purely a self-control thing, and I don't oh, have any. All right, I see <laughs> when what you're saying. When it comes to Pokemon, I have no self-control. I, I will, Whereas I will if, the game, since... if the game's got away from me to not have to control myself, mm -hmm. that's probably a healthier place for me to be. I think since, that's that's all I'm trying to say. Since since you quit, though, they have done a lot of stuff to sort of streamline the way you you level up your pairs. And the, the, another piece of news is that they'll be streamlining things even further. They haven't given us specific details, but. Uh, we should get that in the future, but they'll be streamlining it even more. But in terms of grinding, they've made the game a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot less grindy as well um, at the moment. So maybe check it out sometime soon. But they've done a good job already. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely need to go back to it because every time you send me screenshots of the story and whatever, mm -hmm. I, I keep reminding myself that this is easily the best Pokemon mobile game we heard in years. You know, out there at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, just in terms of sheer content depth of character development and i guess story because pokemon go is more about making your own story this game is about giving you yeah, story as an experience as an experience i know that a lot of people love pokemon go but, mm -hmm. but actually as a pure video game this is an incredible standalone nintendo product or well, pokemon product and it's free mm -hmm. uh, and you should absolutely go pick it up if you haven't tried it yet because even just for the, the the story alone is worth spending a couple of hours on it's a lot of fun it's important to note quickly that this will be launched as a trial rather than a permanent feature so the stamina rework system um and i will add that i think this is a win for the community as previously um i think in the ninth or tenth survey they they were supposed to drop this as a permanent feature so i think they've heard us loud and clear and they're gonna do it as a trial see what the sort of community thinks about it and depending on feedback they're gonna either implement it permanently or they're gonna uh just keep things how it is so either way i don't think we can lose at the moment um on to um actual game news then uh in pokemon masters we've got these things called medals which have come out of nowhere um and you get sort of medals for doing things like beating the battle villa or using lance's hyper beam to obliterate people uh spam emojis in co-op games um and you can collect them all and customize your trainer profile to show them off and i think it's a really get great addition what do you what do you think here in that yeah, I mean, it's it's always nice that there's new, new things to collect, right? Everyone loves a gym badge, so mm -hmm. that's a fun thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just a quick friend, uh, friend, a quick hello to our friend, the alt fan P10 in the chat. But um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is the current sync uh, sync pairs that you can get in Pokemon Masters, which is uh, Cygnus Suit, uh, Grimsley, and previously um, Elisa and Rotom Cygnus Suit. Um, they're they're in the pool at the moment. Uh, they're both pretty good pairs uh, to get, especially Elisa, because she's a sort of tank that helps support your Pokemon. Um, in that she can take hits, she can dodge hits, and she can help Charizard evolve quicker. So make it evolve quicker. So I'd say drop some drop some gems and try get these these trainers. I mean, I tried and I got Sabrina, but hey, you're not going to get them all. Um, but a reason to get um, Grimsley is because we've got the legendary battle arena at the moment with Entei. Um, and this is a sort of thing where Entei's got like three bars of health and you can use up to 30 sync pairs to try and beat it. Um, and there's various difficulties, but the hardest difficulty is quite the challenge. However, we've got one, one, one sync pair that can actually destroy Entei at the hardest, hardest mode. And that's, uh, that's Cynthia. Cynthia with Palosand. It's just game over, really. It can 3v1 the whole entire mode, which is ridiculous. And I just want to shout out um, LRT 
Tendo Pain and uh, Reddit for this little graphic I've got. But yeah, legend. Did you Photoshop? No, a it wasn't. It wasn't me. It was LR Tendo Pain that photoshopped this image. But yeah, it's a cool addition. You're not going to get um, Entei for beating the whole sort of legendary arena, but it's cool to have a legendary battle to go up against. Um, but there is ways you can beat it quite easily if you've got the right pairs slash um, use tactics like hypnosis and whatnot to keep it asleep permanently. So yeah, it's a cool little addition. We get demonetized for that shot. What? We get demonetized for that Photoshop. I, I've turned monetization off for the moment whilst we, <laughs> we we sort of find our feet with the podcast. But um, ah, no, Pokemon Company's always been about fair use, so we're, we're fine. We're fine. Um, so that's it, really, about the legendary arena. So you've got you've got I think a month to try beat Entei, and then they're gonna rotate it with another Pokemon, probably another legendary Pokemon. But yeah beat the legendary arena get some rewards and you know what try some new sync pair sync pairs and try different tactics whilst it's here um one of the coolest things i think about at the moment with pokemon masters is that they're referencing the dlc i know i sent you a few vid uh, videos about it but um you've got different sync pairs talking about the dlc that's coming up and one of them were lance and uh, steven talking about mustard and leon um in the games and how mustard had been a champion for 18 years and trained leon to become the champion um, and they were saying that they would love to have a double battle against mustard and leon do you think this is just fan service or is it going to tie into what we discussed last week in that the galar all-star tournament you can pick from legacy trainers i no, i think it would be uh, i think it might be a nod to what's coming mm. it'd be exciting to do and, and certainly with um you know the characters being already assets within the game it wouldn't be hard to achieve so that, that would be lots of fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's some more trainers in the Pokemon Center talking about the DLC. For example, you had Ginny and Roxy talking about rumors of a really strong Poison-type trainer who's also a female, um, and they both want to go to the dojo and battle her. So that was pretty cool, acknowledging uh, Clara there. Uh, you had the Kanto Trio talking about Kubfu, and Leaf mentions how Kubfu reminds, reminds um, her of both uh, Blue and Red because, you know, they all like to train a lot. So... Uh, that was a pretty cool nod. And the last one's actually Maylene and Bruno. And uh, Maylene was talking about how she wants to train at the dojo one day in the Galar region. And Bruno was like, don't let your dreams be dreams. Uh, continue training and battling and you'll, you'll arrive in Galar soon. So I just thought it was a really sweet moment. And it reminded me of that uh, Sheer LeBouf video. Like, don't let your dreams be dreams. Just <laughs> so maybe we'll see Meline in the DLC, but I just thought it was really cool having trainers talk about the the Isle of Armor and sort of you know characters and Pokemon in the Isle of Armor. It's, it was just a really cool thing to see at the Pokemon Center in the game. So yeah, and of course we've got new we we've got new story chapters in the game. So go play the new story chapters. I haven't had a chance yet since I've been so busy, but I'm looking forward to getting to it, especially because Grimsley's there. You've seen his signature suit, so. Um, but we'll move on to our next segment. And it's the podcast form news about Sword and Shield. So I'll quickly say first that there's a mystery gift, and it's the last one before the Isle of Armor. And this is um, a, a Galarian Meowth you can get with a hidden ability of Unnerve. Uh, you'll also get 50 big nuggets and 100 EXP candy. Uh, this will run till June 16th, the end of June 16th. So you've got till Monday night, essentially, or Tuesday night to get it. So go get it. Um, but the other thing was um, Players Cup. Tell, tell me about this Players Cup thing. Yeah, just on that mystery gift, it's a great way to get yourself ready for the new DLC. Uh, do grab those big nuggets and 
uh, XP candy because they will come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the play the play Players Cup um, running through July, sorry June, July, and August um, is the now online um, Pokemon Championships for 2020. So not in uh, not the anymore. official world. No, not the official World Championships that have now been postponed till next year. Oh, okay. It's weird when they say they're postponing things until next year, because if it's an annual event and you're postponing it until next year, you're basically just cancelling this year's event. But hey, that, that point aside... Um, Postpone sounds nicer. Yeah, well. Um, so the Players' Cup covers Pokemon Trading Card Game, Pokemon Video Game Championships, and Pokemon Tournament, uh, and are running, as I say, across June, July, and August. Qualifiers for the uh, video game championship took place in uh, May. We talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and basically to qualify, you had to place in the top 256 for your region uh, in the May Invitational. Uh, for the Pokemon uh, TCG uh, Players' Cup, you have to finish, uh, I can't remember what position, but very, very high in the TCG Online leaderboards for June. Uh, and for Pokemon Tournament, I believe that they uh, also have qualifiers, but I'm not entirely sure how that's working. Um, and then the knockout stages are taking place throughout June and July. Uh, so I think the VGC qualifiers are due to kick off in a week or two's time. So they'll start by taking the bracket of 256. Uh, or actually, I think it's 1,024, if I add that up correctly. Uh, down to, I think they're going to take out the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll take the... the, the uh that'll take the, the i think what they're doing is splitting it into uh the, the distinct regions taking the brackets down to 64 and then they'll take them down again to 16 and then they'll bring everyone together for uh the international element so just to make time zones easier to manage mm-hmm. the first couple of rounds will be regional specific and then they're bringing everyone together for the finals what's really interesting is you mentioned pokemon tournament going to be one of those um those games on that uh, sort of play pokemon championship but I don't know how they're going to manage to do that in a coherent way because on, on the Switch you have to have a separate thing for Ethernet uh, to connect to the internet. So it's, a lot of people are going to be probably using Wi-Fi um, and playing online. It's going to put them at a disadvantage. So uh, it's just weird. It's just weird to me that they're going ahead of the Pokemon thing. But hey, power to the people. Power to the people. Um, <laughs> but is, is that is that all with the Play Pokemon stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah. For, for those of you who are interested in reading more, it's all on the uh, Pokemon website. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are looking to participate, you'll need to sign up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll obviously try and keep people abreast of what's happening when we get closer to the finals. I'm sure people will be interested in hearing what we think of how the tournament's going. But great that the Pokemon company have reacted to the the ongoing uh, pandemic and found a way to bring the tournament online, because I know for a lot of people that's uh, been a real frustration this year is, you know, losing out on local qualifiers and then obviously regional and world championships so it's nice that the pokemon company have found a a way to at least recreate some of that um, experience from home talking of the pokemon company finding a way um we've got the dlc dropping next week um and, and with the dlc dropping next week we've been told that pokemon home will undergo maintenance on wednesday june 17th so day of the uh, uh dlc drop uh from uh nine o'clock universal time so that's 10 a.m our time uh till uh two o'clock universal time 3 p.m. Um, our, our sort of time, but uh, once once this maintenance is complete, players will need to update their version to 1.2 uh, on Switch and uh, mobile uh, in order to use the software. But what I really wanted to understand was when the hell is this DLC dropping for everybody? 
because I assumed it would be midnight in your region, but with this Pokemon Home sort of maintenance, I'm so suddenly not convinced that it's going to come out on midnight on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm not sure because at the end of the day, integration with Pokemon Home, it'll probably just say if you tried to uh, launch the game with Pokemon Home, mm -hmm. so you go into Pokemon Home and launch Sword and Shield, it'll probably just say you need to update your version of the game or your version of Home. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that they've thought of a way around it. I, ha I like you, had assumed it was going to release midnight, um, but I thought it was going to release midnight central time, universal central time, rather than region specific. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we'll have to wait and see. It might be that they're doing a release later in the day. Um, yeah, that's what put, put a big doubt and on I'm assuming it. That, <laughs> I'm assuming they're not doing uh, pre-install anyway. So at the end of the day, as long as it drops on the day, that's fine with me. Uh, I've taken holiday off the week after to play through all the DLC. So... Um, Hey, it's not the other world that comes out for I me a couple of I wonder if there later. is a pre-install rather than just this sort of key that unlocks the sort of area for you. I'm, I'm thinking the, the data might already be there or there'll be a prompt for everybody to download it because, of course, everyone's going to have to have um, compatibility with the Pokemon coming back into the game and the new Pokemon because you can't yeah, give I mean, it to I'm, people without I'm, the DLC. I'm fully assuming that they're going to have to install uh, a, a reasonable update to your, mm -hmm. to your version of the game. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's not all the assets aren't already on the console because they're obviously still developing things and whatever. So I'm assuming that there'll either be a download on launch or uh, a download that we can do in advance that then gets unlocked at launch. Mm. Um, that's it for the Pokemon Home sort of news. Uh, the next thing actually is actually really cool related to the DLC, but uh, Koro Koro, um, this is a, a magazine in Japan that releases once, once a month and it's notorious to always leak stuff in, in relation to Pokemon ahead of official announcements, but they've confirmed that there'll be a new distribution um, and this time it'll be for Ash's Cap. Um, so if you have the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield Isle of Armor sort of expansion uh, pass, uh, you'll and if you've got Zerud in your party, you'll be able to receive one of um, Ash's caps, and this is based off the movie Coco. But I, I just think that's such a cool addition to get um, sort of like more clothing DLC, but it being related to the anime this time. And I'll absolutely, yeah, yeah, very cool. I hope I hope that at some point we get the rest of the outfit as well. Um, but very very cool. Oh, could you imagine? I'll be oh, certain enough just to cosplay as Ash. <laughs> I really would. I really I, would. I would definitely do it as well. Um, but I think that's it for Pokemon Sword and Shield news. If unless you've got anything else you wanna you wanna bring up at this this point in time. No, no. Okay. That's everything so far. We'll move on to our next segment. Gotta watch them all, Pokemon. Sorry, you had to go through that. Um, but uh, we just talked about Ash's... You're getting more and more enthusiastic about this every week, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am indeed. We every about... new section title, you're like, I want to put as much gusto into this as I can. Yeah, I even edited this one. <laughs> Last time it was just Pokemon Journeys. This time it's got to watch them all, Pokemon. <laughs> but we just talked nice. about um, Ash's cap and having Zerud and the movie and all that kind of stuff. But uh, again, from Korokoro, we understand that the booking of tickets for the Pokemon movie is now moved to uh, August 7th. So you can buy tickets again on august 7th for the movie and we've been told the movie will release in winter 2020 so probably towards the end of the year which is quite interesting um alongside... what really interests me is whether that will delay the release of zarud for other reasons as well because obviously we weren't expecting to get zarud through uh the movie in, in other regions no because as we as we know um you'd get zarud and shiny celebi through um codes when you pre-order uh, a ticket to the movie and these would be staggered releases so you'd get shiny celebi first and zrude a bit later on uh, but now they've they've said both of these pokemon will be instantly available on august 7th uh once you've pre-ordered your your sort of ticket um so 
I don't know how it's going to work for Western audiences. I don't know whether or not the Western audiences is going to get the movie this year now, or if you're going to get it in 2021. I have got no idea what's going on. Um, so a bit disappointing, but I'm happy the Pokemon movie is going to be going ahead this year, at least for Japanese audiences. So good for them, really. But yeah, no, no word on Western releases at this point, and maybe we have to have a segment where the hell's the Pokemon movie? <laughs> you know, every week, maybe later on this year. But that's great. I'm I, sure we can come up with 25 jokes between now and the end of the year. Yeah, maybe, maybe two, <laughs> maybe two. Um, but have you got anything else on the movie? Any thoughts? about distribution for western no, audiences no. uh i mean I'm, I'm i'm hoping that we still get the western release this year mm-hmm. it would be nice if it came out before the end of the year um just because it's nice when you know you do get a movie every year um but obviously these are unprecedented times so i can understand if it does get delayed mm-hmm. can i can i just ask you a question sure what's happening on netflix right now what's what's on netflix right now so the first 12 episodes of pokemon journeys are available on Netflix in the US. Uh, so not available for UK audiences, but are available for uh, US viewers. Mm-hmm. In the UK, uh, the first four episodes were available on uh, Pop TV, um, which I think are still available for a couple more days if you can check that out, uh, but will be definitely going off soon. And Pop TV will then start weekly releasing new episodes. Um, whereas Netflix will release them in batches of 12 every 12 to 13, 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go and catch the first 12 episodes on Netflix if you're in the US. Uh, if you're in the UK, it's Pop TV. I don't know about most other regions, um, but I do know that uh, they are starting to appear online as well if you're trying to find them and you are struggling. Are you crazy? Um, so, <laughs> a little subtle there, <laughs> but I, I just want to urge everybody to watch this because I think this is the Pokemon anime is now more accessible than ever being on Netflix. Um, and in terms of the the show itself, it's a great jumping on point. It's such a great jumping on point. It does so much for the lore building of the Pokemon Pokemon world, and it's hitting me with nostalgia. Um, and I'm, you know, I watched the Japanese version. I just had episode twenty three last week, and they did something with the formula that I didn't expect them to do and throughout the episode i was just laughing and just applauding because honestly this this show for me it might rival xyz soon uh, in terms of like the best season since the original so please give it a watch and i think me and you are are, are discussing and we need to put maybe together a schedule and decide how we're going to sort of do it but we're going to be going to be doing at some point um weekly episode reviews of the the anime so um stay tuned for that but we'll discuss that off air but Please, please just go on Netflix and watch it. I mean, you've got a VPN probably. Just go watch on Netflix. Um, Definitely worth doing. Yeah. So we'll move on to our next segment. What's Pokemon going on? Eh? Uh, so this week in Pokemon Go news, uh, stickers are now live. So you can add stickers to gifts when you send them to people. Hooray. I guess you don't really. What does that mean? It's just an aesthetic thing where you. Didn't we talk talk about this last week? And I said, surely the more fun thing would be to stick stickers on real life things. But yeah, well, well, listen. You send a gift. There's a bubble saw on the gift. Everyone's happy. Shebang. That's it. Everyone loves Bulbasaur. Exactly. There's eight different stickers. Bulbasaur and seven others. I haven't been playing because there's nothing for me to do at the moment. but uh, I might actually change that because they've announced a, a rework to how you earn coins in game and you can use coins to buy items like raid passes, incubators to hatch eggs faster and stuff like that. Uh, but now you can only earn 50 coins a day, which is 
been consistent for a couple of years now uh, but 30 of these will come from gyms so if you put your pokemon in a gym they can earn up to six coins every hour um, and 20 of them will be from something called today's view which will be uh, like doing daily tasks like catching one pokemon spinning a pokestop and stuff like that so um it's a way of getting um a new, a new way of getting pokey coins which is pretty cool for people like me who like to stay indoors all day um so yeah that's a new, new little uh feature they've added is it doing anything for you personally Buddy. no i mean i, I, I it's probably not going to make me jump back onto pokemon go sorry i realized that i was talking on mute um I, i'm probably not going to jump back onto pokemon go at this stage mm -hmm. especially i think with the lockdown for me pokemon go and my favorite part of it was always the social aspect mm -hmm. so i think with with you know lockdown being the way it is um even though you know it's nice that they're, they're bringing out more coins and easy ways to get them that's not probably going to not be the thing that gets me back onto Pokemon Go at this stage. Fair enough. Uh, just to add, because I for forgot to put it on the docket, but uh, Community Day is going to be next week weekend. Uh, check out Niantic's uh, Pokemon Masters and Masters Pokemon Go official website for more details. But it's going to be Weedle, um, and if you evolve Weedle into uh, uh, the Final Evolution Beedrill, you get a Beedrill that knows Drill Run for about five hours of the day. So, um, yeah. A uh, little, little incentive uh, for people who like PvP to evolve their Weedles, and obviously there'll be shiny Weedles as well uh, next weekend. So try catch them. Um, and just just one more thing, we've got the Solstice event uh, that's going to be happening on June nineteenth uh, um, till June twenty fourth, uh, and this is going to have um, more Pokemon uh, from Sun and Moon appearing in eggs, uh, in the wild and in raids, and there'll be shiny Clefairy now being possible. Um, as well during the event. Uh, Lunatone and Solrock will be in raids as well and 5k eggs uh, in all regions uh, but will alternate every two days um, and on June 19th and 20th you'll have Lunatone appearing in the Eastern Hemisphere and Solrock in the West and on the 21st and 22nd it'll be vice versa essentially and after that they'll permanently stay in those hemispheres so yeah this uh, this is a time for you to catch the uh, Lunatone or the Sorok or whatever you're missing and try catch a shiny Clef Clef Clefairy Clefairy, I don't know why that was hard Clefairy, I don't know why that was so hard to say <laughs> um, but that's really it for um, the Pokemon Go news um, I'll talk more about the Bug Out event uh, next week but um, yeah, that's it for Pokemon Go anything to add? Nope, not yet TCG, it's easy as one, two, three. Please don't copyright strike that. Uh, so what's happening with the TCG, buddy? Uh, we got a, a new set announced, which is exciting. Mm. Um, so we've got a new TCG set coming out, uh, which features a brand new rarity of card as well. So the set's called Legendary Heartbeat. Mm -hmm. It will be the Japanese uh, release name. Uh, and in it is a brand new rarity of card called Amazing Rares. Um, which in theory is supposed to be the rarest of the rare cards. Um, so they're always legendary Pokemon uh, with very, very powerful attacks, but obnoxiously difficult uh, energy costs. So typically three different types of base energy mm -hmm. uh, in order to use the attack. Um, uh, basic Pokemon by the looks of it. So far we've seen Rayquaza and Jirachi. Which you can see on screen. Um, and hopefully the, we'll see a few more coming soon. The artwork is incredible. Um, it is incredible. Yeah, it really is. And also part of the set uh, confirmed so far is uh, Zerud V. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll assume a Zerud V Max, uh, unless we hear otherwise. Um, but actually, it turns out that these amazing rares, despite being amazing rares, 
uh, will be included one in every single pack. So they're not quite as rare as they first alluded to. Yeah, exactly. I think I might be buying a couple of the... packs to be honest with you then in that case, because I really like Jirachi and I really want one. Yeah, so um, there'll be seven cards in a pack uh, in Japan, and every single pack will contain at least one uh, amazing rare. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, you can so see I by think the... there's going to be quite a lot of them mm -hmm. uh, coming out in terms of amazing rares. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to cover quite a large selection of legendary Pokemon. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if the artwork holds as nicely as, uh, as these ones do, absolutely a good reason to go get some. We can just see on the booster packet that you've got Lugia there, you've got Zacian there, and you've got Genesect as well. Um, oh, and you've got Zamazenta as well. I've just seen that as well. So yeah, we're going to have quite a selection of legendary mythical Pokemon in there, which is, which is pretty cool. But um, that's it for the TCG, I guess. So we'll go on to our next segment. Where the Helioptile's Pokemon sleep? Right. I've got an update for you, Amit. I've Here located the team. They're in California, specifically Napa in California. Oh now, my God. we haven't had any news, and that's where they're located. All I'm going to say is make your own conclusions. We're moving on. They're based in Napa. Podcast form news roundup. Um, so I just wanted to use this um, uh, opportunity to shout out a, a friend of mine um, on Twitch. His name is uh, Joe, uh, but his Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash jmedforth. That's J-M-E-D-F-O-R-T-H. Um, on, on Wednesday, uh, June 17th, uh, from 9am to 9pm, he'll be doing a giveaway stream uh, where he'll be giving away codes for the Pokemon DLC. Uh, and more and um, he also be doing like digital game credit codes as well uh, for any platform so ps4 xbox pc uh, depending on the winner's choice uh, but all the money that he'll be spending will be going towards uh, donating money to the bail project and the trevor project um, which are two projects uh, related to the current uh, black lives matter um, news stories that we hear um, so quite good of him and please go support him on twitch.tv slash jmedforth uh, on Wednesday June 17th 9am 9 to 9pm so that's um, that's the only sort of uh, news roundup I wanted to give but have you got any sort of news I've missed or anything like that uh, no go, go and support show your support on uh, it was Wednesday wasn't it yeah Wednesday 9am uh, to 9pm yeah, go, go show your support Cool. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, the unknown fact of the week. I forgot to play a jingle. There we go. Unknown fact of the week. Hit me. So the unknown fact of the week this week uh, is that the very first Pokemon you ever encounter is wrong. What? Um, so when you boot up Pokemon Red or Pokemon Blue for the first time and you start a brand new game, mm -hmm. um, you are introduced to the Pokemon world by Professor Oak, mm -hmm. and Professor Oak releases uh, from a Pokeball, I believe, uh, a Nidorino, and it's the one you can see on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, a familiar sight to you all. And he says, This world is inhabited by creatures known as Pokemon. Um, but when this Nidorino appears on screen, it actually uses the cry for Nidorina. <laughs> so, even so the, cool. very first, the very first Pokemon you ever see in the game is wrong. <laughs> And I just thought that was such a such a wonderful. I mean, red and red and blue have their share of glitches and bugs and whatever. But I just thought, um, what a one to miss that the very first Pokemon you ever encounter in the game is actually incorrectly coded. Wait, so how, um, how did anyone find out about this? How, uh, who was bothered enough to recognise the cry was different? 
I'm sure it's people who played the game enough. I mean, it's not it's not a big secret. It's um, but it's, it's one not of those things you're going to think about actively, are you? It's just one of the things. It's sort of like a throwaway thing. It's like, oh, welcome to the world of Pokemon. Great, thank you. Let me play the game. No, absolutely. It's like it's just a throwaway thing. But <laughs> when, I, when I saw it, I just burst out laughing. That I was like, I know that these games have got bugs, but surely if this is the opening moment of your game, you're going to get it perfect, right? Hmm. But no, they uh, they use the cry for Nidorina. That was a good fact of the week. I am enjoying these little facts of the week that you're you're giving us. So I, I appreciate that. Have, how, how many more have you That's got right. for me? I mean, how many more weeks are you going to keep podcasting for? Uh, good question. All right, we'll move on uh, to <laughs> our next topic. Now, before we go to the next topic, I just want to warn people that the next topic is going to be about the Sun and Moon anime. And we'll be, uh, we're not going to have a comprehensive look at the whole entire anime, look at every episode and whatnot and stuff like that. But we will be spoiling a lot of things. So if you... If you're tempted to go watch the Sun and Moon anime um, and you don't want it spoiled for you, don't listen to this next part. Uh, and this is where we're going to bid farewell and perhaps see you next Sunday. We'll have to let you know. Um, I'll let you know on my um, own own sort of Twitter, which is Kumailh, K-U-M-A-I-L-H. Um, we're not too sure if Sunday's show is going to go ahead next week just because of the DLC, but we're likely maybe to come for about 10 minutes to talk briefly about things, but it's not going to be a long show by any sort of stretch so uh keep updated on uh Kumail h on twitter um but if you if you've come this far and you've listened this far and you're going to stay for the spoiler cast we're just going to get into it right now so the spoiler cast on the moon anime uh this is something i'm really looking forward to talking to you about because you finally finished the anime after 15 years <laughs> of it being yeah out. um it was almost hilarious just how long after you saw the finale. It must have been at least seven or eight November. months. It was November. It was November seventh, I believe, or something. Like, yeah, November. And I think I finished it. I think I finished it in April this year. Ah, oh, dear. Yeah, it's, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, the Sun and Moon anime series. I mean, that's uh, it was such a an interesting series, and obviously we're going to cover it in more detail. What were your kind of opening thoughts? So I think where I wanted to start was the first reaction to see the promotional image. Now I've pulled up the promotional image up there, but when you first saw this promotional image, what did you think? Um, the one thing I thought was it was very, very busy. There were lots of people, which often in um, the anime series you don't typically get. No. Um, is that actually, and this is one of the, the themes throughout the series, is that rather than just having one or two uh traveling companions for the series after actually uh he's got really four or five uh, i lose count um companions it's a horror now <laughs> i'm just <laughs> that he um that he uh travels with throughout the alola region mm -hmm. so you know the first thing that i took away from this was just how busy it was um in terms of pokemon in terms of um and also i guess in terms of uh people especially mm. i mean I still remember where I was when I first saw that image because it scarred me. And, you know, you got Ash there doing a Z pose, and we knew about the Z pose because we've already played the game at that point. Um, and he had a huge smile on his face, and I immediately thought, this must be a joke. This must be a joke. Someone must have photoshopped this. This can't be real. Because we just came off XY and XY and Z, which was like the best series since the original series, and you had a Ash with a very mature look and a, 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 a kind of like a serious tone to him. And... Uh, I was hoping, given the critical feedback that the XY and XYZ series had, you know, with everybody loving it, you know, thinking it's the best thing since sliced bread, that that was going to continue. I had no idea 
this was what we were getting into. And then like, do you know what really? Do you know what really bugs me? Yeah, is that he's he's wearing a t-shirt, and I know that sounds really pedantic. No, he's no, I understand totally why. Room. Yeah, but but it's been twenty years of the guy wearing a jacket or a hoodie, and he's not wearing a jacket. <laughs> you know, and it bothered me. Yeah. It, something was off about it i couldn't pinpoint what it was and then yeah you're right it's the jacket and lack of the jacket or the lack of the hoodie um so it was, it was such a big change and you know what? on first look i wasn't positive about the way things were going but over time i sort of understood why they were going to go for this style um and it's not the first time we've had um a change in sort of style but this is the first time we've had a drastic change of style this was really bold of him to do um, yeah, especially after the XYZ series that was so um, kind of, it was, it was I, I say, one of the more mature art styles that we've had, you know, for the Pokemon series. Mm -hmm. This, you know, went very much the other way and was much more cartoonish, much more anime-esque, um, whereas XYZ sort of, I would say, played by the rules of, you know, uh, conventional cartoons a lot more. When you, when you say anime-esque, I just want to break that down a little bit because that means a lot of things to me and i don't mean to be nitpicky sure. but i think no 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 you should I... I'm, I'm probably using the wrong terms but i guess for me when i think of when i think of a pokemon episode mm -hmm. um the the only things that are outside of the realms of reality really for me are the pokemon moves and maybe team rocket blasting off mm -hmm. and actually a lot of the other things that are on screen visually are, are things that are realistic and true to that world mm -hmm. so you're not seeing you know pop-up speech bubbles you're not seeing um you know uh like drastic changes to the color schemes you're not seeing you know slow-mos all the time it's something that's very sort of true to not real life because you know, i appreciate that we're in the realms of a pokemon world but but if, if that sort of makes sense it's much more um uh, what's on screen and nothing more than that mm -hmm. and i felt like artistically the sun and moon anime did something where it had the the sort of episode and then overlaid onto it all of these other elements that um i think to my mind is something that i would say is, is more akin to anime and i'm sure that you'll say you'll you'll correct me on that because you're the, the anime expert and i'm not well experts a stretch a but more... i just watched too much <laughs> <laughs> it felt it felt a lot more um it felt a lot more not unrealistic but it felt a lot more like it uh, like it was doing things that weren't part of the world it was trying to break the fourth wall a lot more it, it did quite nicely we'll get into that but so the way this uh, sort of art style is it's very akin to something called yokai watch uh which is a huge franchise in japan and it had its own anime and with the zed ring you had the yokai watch sort of watch i guess so that's kind of like a similarity there but the art style was very similar to that and so i think they were making this art style for it to be for a more younger audience and i guess with this new sort of thing of not having gyms but having like school lessons and stuff like that like ash is going to graduate graduate like no one else did uh, it sort of suited the sort of whole this, i don't know how to say it the sort of whole journey that it was going to be on like going to school instead of going to gyms and participating in leagues which he ended up doing anyway spoilers but yeah it was that's the, what the sort of art, art style they went for um i think they sort of mirrored what yokai watch was doing since it was very popular and you know that's the, you know the beauty of a spoiler cast is you don't have to say spoilers right? yeah i know i forgot i forgot it's just a bad habit of mine but yeah one of the um sorry i was gonna say one of the things that uh <laughs> i've lost my train of thought immediately um but one of the things that i think was really interesting about the the art style is that it just felt so jarring against xyz yeah and i think actually if it had been a steady progression 
I think it would have been a lot easier for the fan base and certainly for myself to, to get used to it. So like I the I went from watching... second movie, how we had a different art style and it, it was like a blend of the two. If, if you yes. had that and then went to this, it might have been easiest to stomach. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Um, and actually, I remember what I was going to say. The other thing, it's, 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 it's really jarring to me that you, you say Z-Ring. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's because you watched the... the the Japanese version of the anime. Zedoaza. <laughs> That's what they say. Zed move. Zedoaza. Yeah. They uh, they all in the in the dub it's Z ring, and Z crystal. You know what Z makes sense. It makes sense. So it was just it's really weird to hear you say Zed ring. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Um, we'll stick with it. I, I guess the next thing to sort of talk about is what did you sort of hope to see from the series following playing the games. I think the one thing that the games did really, really nicely is it felt like it drew on a lowland culture. I'm using a lowland in quotation marks, but mm-hmm. in essence, Hawaiian culture. Oh. And it really played into um, it really played into the food, the music, the environment, the island nature. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked that it, I walked away from Sun and Moon with a sense of I've been to somewhere that is not just another cluster of cities i've been to somewhere with a real theme and a real sort of experience and you know like when i played x and y and i really felt the parisian vibe you know i really got the cafes and the eiffel tower like it really did feel like france like and they skate everywhere in real life like they do in the game you know (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) and they're all carrying baguettes and yeah it makes perfect sense but uh, that's the one thing that i was really hoping the anime would do is really draw on the whole nature aspect and the island aspect and and actually one of the things that you know i've got to give the anime credit for is it really did that in spades um particularly in the earlier arcs of the episode of the of the series um it really drew on you know the this the sort of spiritual side of um of the islands and and their you know their relationship with the uh the tapus the, the deities if, um, yeah i really liked that focusing really, on harmony really and stuff like that yeah, and really put some prevalence into the whole the, the, the nature aspect, which, which was really nice. And I, and I guess when you talk about the games, you know, they added a mechanic in the games where, you know, Pokemon could, you know, request help from their fellow Pokemon. And that's not something we had really seen before, but it sort of goes to show that their Lolan culture, everyone's quite together. Um, and they're all a co- collective rather than individual, which I think the anime did well as well. Yeah, and it was nice to see so many Pokemon outside of Pokeballs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, which which sounds surprising, but actually often when there's a Pokemon in the series, someone's either caught it and they own it, mm-hmm. or it's being farmed or it's wild and it's going to get caught eventually. Well, Whereas actually in Alola, you do genuinely have Pokemon and humans living much more harmoniously. And, and you know, there are right Pokemon and Pokemon that work as well, but actually there's, there's a whole uh, range of Pokemon in Alola that are just there living alongside humans freely and that was really nice to see as well yeah actually just on that actually a bit of trivia this is the first time where all of ash's friends own a walking pokemon a pokemon that they they walk around with and chill out with so that is a very salient point there that you know this anime has has that sort of um addition to it to exude the sort of alola vibe and that's what they just do is part of their culture so that's a that's a really cool point there um and just Who was sorry a turtle and uh, Marowak later on. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. Yeah, you always saw Marowak getting himself into trouble. Um, That's true. So I think for me, I didn't have any sort of specific hopes and, and stuff like that. I actually just hoped it would continue X, Y, and Z and and go that right of him just going to the challenges and um, doing them, really. I didn't expect 
this whole school thing to happen but hey you know if he's going to school it makes sense he looks very young compared to his xyz counterpart um so yeah that's that, i didn't really have any specific hopes for, for, for the anime following the games uh but i was certainly surprised about how they took it and i just want to know next question is what was your overall reaction to the the anime by the end of it you know uh, where, where, where is this rank for you well maybe not even talk about how it ranks for you but sort of how does how does this anime make you feel in the grand scheme of things of what we've seen before at the beginning forward? at the beginning at the beginning of season 20 mm -hmm. which is the first season for uh, sun and moon mm -hmm. um i really felt like they'd taken a massive step backwards in ash's character development mm -hmm. to the point where i was almost sort of banging my head saying i've just watched xyz where ash was probably at one of his most mature most kind of capable states where he had really mastered not just a team of really impressive pokemon but actually he was acting very maturely he was you know taking on challenges bigger than um you know much than he'd done in the past he was obviously runner-up in um the the championship and then to, to go back to an environment where he's sitting in a classroom full of school kids and almost like he's trying to learn about Pokemon for the first time. It just felt so out of place. Mm -hmm. And it felt like such a big step back for this character who has been getting progressively more and more, you know, uh, defined and, and evolved to then see him go backwards. It was, was, it was really irritating. And I did find myself struggling with season 20 in particular for that reason is although well season 20 Ash sorry because going... like the japanese sorry to be a pain but the japanese is really different to the english because i know english have got like sun and moon and ultra adventures and then i don't know what the last one was called but for um ultra legend oh there we go but for the anime it was just called sun and moon the entire time for us so just what, oh, okay what was so season yeah 20? so season 20 was sun and moon okay so the beginning um, of it basically yeah which is i think the first four 24 episodes mm -hmm. let me double check that um or maybe it's 48. Hang on. Let me, let I me think it's 48. It's definitely going to be 48. I think it's 48. Yeah, I think it's going to be 48 rather than 24. Um, uh, because that would yes, line up with the big sort of arc that happens at the end of it with, uh, I think, um, what what's her it face? Was, it was 43 episodes. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, for Sun and Moon, which ended with the trip to Kanto. Mm -hmm. uh, and then season 21, which was Ultra Adventures. Yeah. Um, which then takes you through to uh, the episodes with the Masked Royal and uh, the Ultra Guardians going on a mission to save the future mm -hmm. from Necrozma. And then season 22 uh, is then finishing up with the, the final episode. Okay, so for the beginning arc then, you had a sort of huge problem with it. Yeah, I mean, it was just really frustrating to watch Ash go almost backwards in maturity in what seemed to be like capability and one of the things that i really liked in xyz is it felt like he was on the front foot mm -hmm. and it felt like while he was traveling he was confident he was capable and he was happy to be a bit of a leader mm -hmm. and here in xyz i sort of see him sitting alongside you know a, a four or five other people in this classroom and he's not sort of standing up and saying i want to you know be the best he was very much sort of he was going with the flow yeah, and it, although I, you know, maybe there's a reason for it. It just didn't feel like the Ash that I was used to, mm -hmm. the one who's driven, who was literally trying to run to get to the next city and leaving Brock and Misty behind. It just felt a bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so so, but 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 you only talked about the first bit of it. On the whole, though, how did you sort of feel about the anime as a whole after everything's said and done? As a, yeah, you finished and then it. As, as a whole, as a whole, I mean, I I, I really enjoyed. 
uh, the the finale. So, I mean, season twenty two, particularly the uh, Manalo conference, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed uh, watching that. It was. We'll come back to a specific part of it that I didn't. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I generally enjoyed it a, a lot. I thought that it was, you know, I mean, obviously it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, what was it? I mean, where does it rank in terms of, of other series for me? It's probably not one of the ones that I would watch again. Uh, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed um, bits of this, but I just felt like the the overall, the overall kind of, flow of the 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 episodes just didn't sit quite right with me mm-hmm. and i wonder whether that's because there were just too many people and they were trying to do you know an episode this week about mallow and that meant they couldn't talk about anyone else or an episode about kiawe and that meant you know the, the other people went in it and although you know ash was in every episode and not all of his companions were there were times where i just found myself going i don't i don't have the same level of investment for some of these side uh, okay, characters fair. That i do for ash fair I mean, and so I think I think to watch the whole thing again, I probably skip more episodes than I would in any other series. Mm-hmm. So although I really enjoyed bits of it, it's kind of I would take a chunk of maybe 30, 35 episodes and say I'll happily watch those anytime because they were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 I can go, it, yeah. You know what? This is a lot of filler. This is a lot of stuff that was nice at the time watching it for the first time, but I'm just not interested in it relative to some of the other seasons I, I guess what you're talking about is there there was some very and we'll come on to it later but there was some very good arcs that we we had there um but then that you also had more slice of life than ever before you know with you know detective rotom for example that's one of the episodes where i, I wouldn't necessarily watch that again because it didn't interest me a whole lot it was enjoyable during the time but i i totally get what you say like something with x y and x y z where it's very focused i think i could rewatch that all over again very easily but certainly if this there's certain arcs i'd like to rewatch and stuff like that but not all the episodes that's that's for sure and the thing the thing i think that made it really interesting is that ash's journey typically is structured by eight gym battles and a championship yeah and actually if you just take eight gym battles some of which span two episodes and then maybe an extra episode to introduce the gym leader and give them some background you've already filled 16 20 episodes like that Mm -hmm. And because you don't have eight gym leaders in this series, mm-hmm. you cut that in half already. So that's 10 filler episodes that they had to put in. And mm. it just starts to add up where you have so many supporting characters who you're just not as invested in. Rotom, Mallow, Lily, uh, Lana, Kiawe, Sophocles. And don't get me wrong, in their own right, they're very good characters. And actually, I didn't have a problem with any of them. But I'm just, I just wasn't as interested in their stories as I was in Ashes. I mean, you're going to have words after um, this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I guess just, just, just a couple of bits of trivia. Well, this actually, this series was actually longer than X, Y, and X, Y, and Z, um, and um, the Pokemon anime traditionally has character of the day where you meet a new character, you get to know them, and by the end of the episode, Ash departs from that city and goes goes somewhere else and has another adventure. This series, you had more of hanging out with these other characters with you instead of having different characters constantly coming and going. So that's a big difference between what we've had previously in the anime and what we have in this anime currently. Yeah, and there was there was nice elements of that because I did feel like for his supporting cast, you've got a bit more insight into them than you might have got from, um, you know, a Asylum or a, a maybe maybe an Iris, where there just weren't as many episodes focused oh, on God, them. Oh, God, don't remind me 
virus, please don't. <laughs> oh, he's such a little kid. But yeah. it's just one of those... Oh, nice. <laughs> that was a good reference. I like that. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I actually really did like some of the episodes, particularly around Mallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she had some really strong episodes. In she Tiawe, was, yeah. I thought she had she was really fantastic. Um, but, you know, there, there were episodes, I think uh, Sophocles is a really good example of where... Um, they're, they're taking him out into the into the forest and the camping with him and i'm just sort of going he's a scared kid who's who's going camping like you can't drag this out for 20 minutes and somehow they managed to do it and <laughs> i don't know there are some episodes that are absolutely phenomenal and some of the episodes in this series are absolutely some of the best episodes of all time don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but i think just in terms of if i had to rank the series as a whole mm-hmm. it, it probably wouldn't be in my top top three no, I don't think it's going to be in anyone's top three, but um, I, I, I'll just maybe, maybe not even in my top five. What about you? I'll just I'll just quickly say because I think I've, I've I've overrun this segment way too much, but um, <laughs> that's all right. All things considered, I thought it was a very enjoyable series, and I think where where you had problems with some of the sort of filler quote unquote episodes, not to be disrespectful, I, I sort of enjoyed some of them, um, and I guess after you get past the initial art style change there's a lot a lot to love with the series and that comes down to a lot of the arcs we get to see and we'll, we'll go over over it uh i personally liked a lot of the characters that we interacted with um and i think the animation um where i need to i need to sort of stress this the animation is probably the best we've seen in such a long time um it's a bit different from x y and z where you had the 3d camera mostly you know giving you the illusion of the animation but this was very you had lots of animated characters um and especially team rocket you see a lot of their reactions you know they're, they're always very animated i don't know how to explain it they're moving a lot more um an example is on the previous pokemon animes when a character's talking it the camera will pan on their face and it will slowly move to give the illusion like something is happening but in this anime whilst the character's talking they'll be moving their arms or doing something with their body um so the animation was really good and um, that's what this art style allowed the pokemon company to do uh, with this anime is a lot more make it a lot more expressive that's the word make it make it a lot more expressive so i, I enjoyed that element of things um and I, I think it's important to point out that whilst we see this ash from this promotional teaser very goofy looking uh very sort of toned down a little bit more appealing to kids i think the anime as a whole it deals with very mature themes and arcs which was quite surprising to me and I think we're going to talk about this later on, but it, by all means, there was a lot there for an adult audience to sort of get into. Um, so all things considered, very enjoyable. I rank it above black and white, certainly. That's not even a debate for me to have. Um, and like you, I won't watch the whole series again, but there's a lot of episodes I want to go back to and, and watch again because they were really enjoyable. Fair enough. Yeah. No, no. I think I separate. In my head, I always separate black and white from... Black and white before Charizard came back, yeah, and then black and white after Charizard came back. It's so strange because with that series, you had like, and sorry, I'm going on for tangent there, but like in the first half, you had this Team Rocket that looked like they were going towards a, a goal, and you just didn't know what that goal was, and they, they actually felt like spies, you know, they actually felt evil. And the second half of it, they're like back to the old Team Rocket, and you're like, what's happened to the direction of this halfway through the the anime, you know? It just didn't make sense yep. to me, but hey, maybe we'll do like an in-review series, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, but I think, uh, unless you've got anything to re- rebuttal, any sort of rebuttal for me or anything, any other points you want to make about the overall reaction, we'll go into the story, perhaps? 
let's go into the story let's go into the story so uh, you wanted to do a sort of recap of the story a quick short recap of the story obviously we're not going to regurgitate everything but you wanted to talk about certain sections so let's uh let's have it yeah so just i guess high level just to give us a framework to talk about uh, so Ash arrives in Alola and enrolls in the Pokemon school. Mm -hmm. So he spends much of his early time in the Pokemon school uh, studying with uh, five friends. Mm -hmm. So Lana, uh, Lily, Sophocles, Kiawe, and Mallow mm -hmm. uh, under the, the tutorage of Professor Kikui. Uh, and then they basically go on a series of adventures from the school. Uh, whilst in Alola, Ash wants to take on the island challenge. So the four islands each have a kahuna uh, who Ash has to beat in order to, to, to complete the island challenge. Uh, and then that basically forms the early part of the uh, the, the series. And then in the middle, uh, we have a section around Ultra Beasts where the school kids become uh, Ultra Guardians and they start defending Alola from invasions uh, of Pokemon from other planets, uh, referred to as the Ultra Beasts. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the sort of middle arc. And then finally, we end up with the uh, Manalo Conference where uh, Professor Kakui sets up, in essence, an equivalent to... Uh, the Indigo League, um, and Ash competes uh, in the Manala Conference. Cool, cool, yeah. I like that. I like that. Um... I noticed that. Actually, I realised that subconsciously. It's a spoiler cast. We should say most importantly, because we haven't yet. Yeah. Ash wins the Manala Conference. Yeah, and actually, I, I do. I do want to bring this up, but uh, someone that me and you both know nearly spoiled it for me. He nearly spoiled it for me, because as you know, when the Japanese episode comes out, it takes about 12 hours to get subtitles for the episode uh, done. And so a lot of news websites and a lot of people on social media were already posting the result of the actual match before the sub episode came out. And thank God I didn't check my phone during that day, because... I, I to this day, do not understand how I went eight months without having that spoiled Because Because when a certain Mr. Man sent me a message about it, I said to him, whatever you do, don't say anything to Amit. Don't say anything to Amit. <laughs> and thank God he didn't. And I think I remember messaging you saying, whatever you do, don't look at the Pokemon news. Don't look at the Pokemon news. Yeah, you just told me to <laughs> shut off social media. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I guess you didn't know what was happening because the anime was way behind on the... You didn't even get into into Kukui even building that bloody stadium. No, I yeah. didn't even know there was going to be one. I thought it was going to be the end of the island challenge. And they were like, happy days. Back, back to Kanto. Hang yeah. out with Mr. Mime and, and, and Mama Ash. And and uh, and I mean we've just we've just had a sort of uh, breakdown a high level breakdown of, of each part of the story. Did you want to talk about the Manala conference now, or do you want to leave that till later on? Let's leave it to the, let's leave it to later on. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk about the thoughts on each part of the story. Um, as we sort of alluded to earlier, there was a good I thought there was a good balance of slice of life uh, and more serious sort of arcs. And I think this anime for me was very comedic, very funny um, in a lot of it. And obviously that's that's with Ash not having this, you know, gym challenge, instead he's got this island challenge where he's roaming about and discovering new things whilst taking on the challenge. Um, so yeah, I thought it was alright, uh, you know. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I liked the, the introduction to, to Alola. I liked, to be honest, once I, once I got past the whole, you know, Ash going backwards in terms of development thing, I actually quite liked the school setting. I thought it, you know, provided an interesting way to get to know the characters and actually a really nice sort of way to do ventures out into different parts of Alola, mm -hmm. but still having the sort of central hub where everything came back. That was, you know, a nice way to present it. Mm. And I think thoughts on each part of the story. I mean, there's there's a few arcs that are really sort of central to this story, and I guess one of them was Lily and her phobia of Pokemon, which I think we should talk about when we get to a character specifically. 
um but mm-hmm. we had the whole ultra beast arc where they have to rescue lucamine which was i think a pertinent one that we need to talk about so what did you think of of that arc i yeah, just want to give a brief brief explanation been... of what happened during that arc sorry or do you want to do it yeah so uh, I, I, I may get this wrong. So Lucamine gets uh, effectively captured by an Ultra Beast. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I've forgotten his name. Who's the bad guy? Not the bad guy. Faber was it? Faber Faber is experimenting um, with a way to create Ultra Wormholes because Lucamine's uh, always of... been obsessed with sort of Ultra Beasts and always wanted to meet one. Beast. Yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, he Faber basically creates this portal. Uh, it opens up, and an Ultra Beast comes out. And the Ultra Beast is then trying to capture Lily and take it away back into the Ultra Wormhole. Uh, and Lucimine throws herself in the way to save Lily, and in the process gets caught by the Ultra Beast and taken through the Ultra Wormhole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then Ash and friends have to uh, find a way to get through the Ultra Wormhole and save Lucimine. Mm. And I think that that arc was so good with it, the way they set up. They sort of um, addressed, you know, what happened in, in the past where Lily's mother's slowly becoming more engrossed with, you know, Ultra Beasts rather than her own kids. Uh, she fails to recognize that, you know, the one thing that she's been studying is the one thing that caused a, a, a major sort of, um, not tragedy, but major... A major sort of issue for Lily, where she had a phobia of touching Pokemon, and she's failed to realize this. And in the end, she gets captured by the very thing that she wanted to, you know, sort of meet and interact with. And you know, Lily, along with Ash and Co, have to go into this Ultra Hole to try get Lucamine back. Lucamine, by this point, has been brainwashed. She doesn't really want to come back because obviously the Ultra Beast has corrupted her mind. And I guess you you see one of the one of the coolest moments where you've got you know uh, Sol Galeo with Ash, you know, going to this Ultra Wormhole. Um, and you've got the first time where Ash uses a 10 million uh, volt thunderbolt, is what it's called in English, I think. But I thought it was yep, a really, really, it. really, really cool arc, uh, full of great animation, full of great um, story, story beats. And it's hard to explain unless you've seen the anime from the beginning, um, because it's a lot more touching when you see where they come from and where they go to. And I think for me, this is the first time where the Sun and Moon anime was like, oh, hang on a minute. This is actually pretty, pretty interesting. It's just not like having a donut and walking along the beach and training a Pokemon and stuff like that. There is some some stuff at stake here. And I think this is where I first sort of fell more in love with the Sun and Moon anime. Yeah, there were some really heavy hitting arcs. And the other one that really stood out for me, I mean, alongside that, you know, and that, you know, that, that arc touches on elements of PTSD and trauma and... Yeah. It's it's really really interesting the way they deal with it, mm-hmm. um, but the other the other arc that's very subtly worked and weaved throughout the the narrative is um, the subject of death, yeah. and death is one of those things where um, we see some really hard hitting episodes. Actually, one of the first times in a long time that the anime had made me cry mm-hmm. um, was an episode with Mallow where she's confronted with, um, you know, the potential. Uh, she's she's dealing with. Uh, the, the grief of losing a loved one and and uh, through the gifts of of Tapu Lele is basically reunited through uh, Tapu Lele's powers with a, a lost loved one um, at the Tapu same Lele time or Tapu while Fini with the mist. I thought it was Tapu Lele. That's an important point, I guess. No, <laughs> yeah. no, you're right. You're right. It's Tapu Fini. You're right. It's Tapu Fini. Okay. Um, because it was on Happy's Island. Yeah. Um, but really, really interesting that. Um, 
as she's you know that that whole episode is is so very delicate about how it touches on grief and and death and you have in that same episode Lytton dealing with uh, a Pokemon who uh, a Stoutland who dies um, basically protecting Lytton at one point mm. and again a very very hard hitting episode where earlier in the season you seen this Stoutland die which I don't think we've seen on the anime in quite the same way that we had before no. uh, where you have a character just literally dying of old age and, and fatigue on screen yeah um, and they did a a great way of getting you attached to this uh, Stoutland because before this whole death um, arc happened we've seen so many times Litten taking food bring it back to the Stoutland we've met Stoutland a couple of times at that point Stoutland's taught uh, Litten how to use a move as well and so you've so got used to that relationship and for the Pokemon company just come out of nowhere left like left field and, and throw for that you like oh hang on a minute I didn't expect that and it hit a lot harder because of, because of how they've set it up. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a storytelling perspective, they did some really, really clever things. And some, some things that they've been possibly too afraid to do in, in other um, series before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, cre credit to them for hitting some of those harder points. Because I do think the Sun and Moon anime touched on much more adult themes than, than some of the previous series have done. Mm. The, the other arc, which is not really an arc, but it happens throughout the sort of season, is you've got Team Rocket versus... Uh... HQ. Uh, in particular, you had one of the um, one of the assistants to Giovanni. I forget what her name is. I might have it here somewhere. Hang on. Uh, what is her name? Fill time for me. Help. <laughs> I can't remember okay, as well. It starts with a name. Uh, I'll get to it at some point. But um, <laughs> yeah, sort of, you've got this Alolan Meowth versus Cantonian Meowth, and them constantly bickering with HQ. I sort of like that sort of arc with Team Rocket. Um, I guess the other big arc is the Poipol. How do you say it? Poipol? Poipol? Poipol. There we go. Poipol arc and the restora restoration of UB Black and Poipol's sort of city and saving the whole sort of world. That was that was a really cool arc to, to have as well. It's Matori. That's what you're thinking of. Uh, no, yeah, thank you. I knew I'd forget her name and I wish I wrote it down, but there we go. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the whole Poipol and the restoration of UB Black? Yeah, I mean, I really liked the the uh, Poipol as a character. I thought his arc with um, Ash was a really nice one. Mm -hmm. um, I and I think the the whole uh, Ultra Necrozma arc was um, was actually again quite a hard hitting one because you built up this relationship with Nebby, and then you saw everything that happened with uh, Necrozma, and you obviously felt very bad for it. So. Again, there I do I do think it was a very um, a very well done series of episodes. It was quite violent as well, <laughs> really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Wait. It was quite. Yeah, again, it was it was done quite brutally, where the Pokemon Company weren't afraid to pull punches with, you know, bad consequences. Hmm. And I think the way they set up the whole story of look, this is the legend. What could these signs mean? Because you've you've got Poipol constantly trying to communicate with Ash what's going on, drawing things on the floor and stuff like that. And eventually, to get to the point where everything's sort of clicking together and you're starting to understand what's going on in the grand scheme of things, really smart way of doing things. And and I think as well, we see a lot of um, characters get involved with this arc. Certainly, you see Cookie and Faba having to repel Team Rocket. You know. That's, uh, it was incredible because they had to face off against, I think it was a Mega Agron. And, you know, Alakazam gets beaten by um, 
uh, the, this me mega agron. I think Breviary as well gets beaten by the mega agron, and you know they're trying yep. they're trying the hardest to make sure Team Rocket don't get into the ultra hole, um, and, and sort of get in the way of of Ash and friends trying to save the world. And um, this is the moment where you see Kukui reluctantly having to use his Incineroar um and having to reveal his sort of uh alter ego you know being the royal royal mask as well is it was was called in the anime royal mask for you guys or is it called something mask royal mask, mask royal, royal. Oh, fair enough um so yeah it was a good arc that got a lot of characters involved lucimine as well was instrumental alongside burnett as well in this arc because they were constantly researching and trying to open up wormholes for for them to be able to get to the other world and 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 help people and and help sort of um what was it um Solgaleo and the other one, Lunana as well. So, yeah, it was quite quite a good arc that one. Yes. Um, I've got. Well, you've already talked talked about Mallow and her mother and that sort of arc. But the last sort of big arc I want to talk about, apart from the the obvious sort of league championship, was the alternative universe arc, where Ash is transported to an alternate universe where uh, Alola is, for all intensive purposes, fudged. Ah. Uh, because an ultra beast. Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually really surprising, and uh, there were some very because uh, I think that's where we meet Aurora for the first time, yep. and it's yep. a r really well done couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first time we get to see him in the the sort of television anime um, outside of the movies, um, and so we're, we're taken to this world where it's been totally ravaged. There's been an ultra beast that's destroyed basically everything, eaten everything. This was uh, what's his English name? Um, so we call him Akuji King in the Japanese Guzzlord. Version. Guzzlord. That's all. Guzzlord. Yeah, so you see Guzzlord who's constantly uh, eating everything, destroying everything. And in the lore of that world, you know, there were Pokemon Rangers, but they were all defeated by Guzzlord. And eventually everyone just evacuated. They didn't want any part of it. And to see Ash being, you know, sent back in this in this alternative universe and having to, uh, alongside the Zero Aura, fight against it and, and try repel it and try save that world. That was a really cool arc for me. And we had a good, a cool character, and I think his name was Dai as well, so Dai and Zero Aura. I, I think that was a really cool arc to, to pull there. So for me, that, that arc almost felt like it had to be forecasting for something to come. Oh. And so when the Guzzlord, when the Guzzlord appeared at the end of the uh, Manalo Mal Conference, conference yeah. um, I was like, oh my god, this is it. This is what Ash was sent to that parallel universe for. Because I was like, you know, everything has a reason. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that fight with, you know, Guzzlord was going to be a much bigger, you know, high impact, high stakes fight than it actually turned out to be. In a way, I was almost disappointed um, by how it ended up because I hoped that it was going to drag over at least an episode or two. Sorry, are you talking about the one um, versus uh, the one back in the alternative universe or the one after the Milano conference? The one after the Milano conference, oh, okay. where I hoped it would be much more high stakes and that the whole point of ash having gone back in time was that he'd figured out how to beat it and it was a whole you know like almost like training um for for what was to come well actually he he is instrumental in in and in sort of repelling the two we get two one was a shiny which is really cool but he was yeah he was instrumental in, in telling everybody look this was his weak point go for that and i think actually him being sent into that alternative universe to fight it and then come back to this universe i don't think it would have made more sense for it to be over two episodes because if he if he knows his weakness if he knows how to beat it then surely it should be just a run and done deal if you know what i mean yeah i think it i think the stakes just didn't feel high enough i think that's that's all it was mm -hmm. it might have something to do with the music but i'll i'll talk about that later <laughs> um 
but yeah, in terms of big arcs, I think those were the biggest arcs for me in the uh, story of, of the Sun and Moon anime. And um, I think perhaps we talk, we should talk about our favorite sort of moments and episodes. So um, I've got about six or seven to go through. But do you want to take it turn by turn then in that case? And maybe you talk about one, I'll talk about one. Go for it. Okay, you, I'll let you go first, my good friend. So probably one of my highlights from the series was the, the trip back to Kanto. Okay. Um, yeah, that was on my list as well. So it tied in it tied in with um I think it was the release of uh Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Sounds about right, yeah. Um because it obviously it was trying to encourage, you know, people to pick up uh oh, it, it wasn't just that. It was the it was they just released uh Indigo Plateau the the series on Blu-ray. I, th- 1080 I think it's got less to do with that to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, because well, that was only an English thing. It wasn't. It wasn't a Japanese thing. But it was the t- the timing of the English episodes timed with that. Mm-hmm. But these episodes had well, al- already been produced months in advance. There's about 180 days gap between the two. Yeah, no, no, no that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but either way, uh, really great to see Misty and Brock again. Uh, I thought Brock's character development was perfect. I thought, and Brock appeared, you know, quite a few times in in the series. And I, I thought he was fantastic when he appeared. Um, his relationship with uh, Olivia, which I don't think was in that episode. Not those episodes that came li- later on, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. But I did think that that was really, really good fun. Um, but but just those those two uh, those two battles. So uh, Brock and Kiawe for a, a gym badge, and then Ash versus Misty, uh, which was titled Mega Evolution versus uh, Z Moves. Um, I thought was a very cool battle. Get as well. hype so, moment. You know, <laughs> that was really hype. It really was. It was. It was great to see uh, Misty with a Mega Gyarados, which was again, you know, unexpected mm-hmm. and nice to see that both you know Misty and Brock have been moving forwards, um, you know, ever since I, I guess Johto, and it, you know, always nice to go back to Kanto. And actually, one of the really nice things was to see Professor Oak's lab with all of Ash's Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get a bit of screen time as well. That's always nice to see. Can I give you a couple of couple of trivia there? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so this is the first time we see Misty since the Ruby and Sapphire uh, anime. If you remember, she was in the Ruby and Sapphire anime, in particular that sort of whole Togepi to- 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 arc uh, in that castle. Do you remember it? She she appears was... in flashbacks and stuff like that, but like as as her, you know, coming back and teaming up with Ash. That's the last time we've we've seen her with Ash. So she Ash does uh, mention her, and she does get sort of like screen time in in sort of like dreams and flashbacks, but not like not like we last saw her back in Ruby and Sapphire. In my head, that ep- episode with Misty and the Togepi thing had a Toga kiss in it. It did, but was it just? It, uh, pro- oh, but it, this was still. It had Toga kiss, or it had a Toga tick. One of those two. It definitely had Toga tick because Misty's Togepi evolved into Toga tick. Yeah. But I thought that it also had a Toga kiss in it, which is why I thought it was Gen Four. Mm-hmm. But that's crazy if it is Gen Three. Because we we also have some some generations where we do see Pokemon's leading up to the next generation, like Blaziken, for example, Harrison's Blaziken, or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it might be Dome Pearl, but I did double check this because I, I thought this was the case. But we'll we'll say Ruben Sapphire for now. But if you're wrong, email us at PokeRumblePod. No, no, you're right. It's, uh, it- I've just checked it. Season seven, just spot on. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and obviously Brock was Di- Diamond and Pearl. He came he came back in Diamond and Pearl. And I think after Diamond and Pearl, he said, you know, I'm I'm gonna focus on my journey now. I've I've given Ash enough pointers. I've I've traveled traveled with him long enough. 
um, and it's time for me to sort of knuckle down and learn more about medicine back in Kanto. So that was the last time that we we had Brock. There was a special episode in uh, Gen Five uh, in in the Japanese anime where he does team up with Silent at some point, um, but Ash wasn't involved there. So this is the last time Brock and Ash have, have interacted really. Diamond Pearl. So th those are a couple of bits of yeah. trivia. Um, actually a really cool thing as well this is the first time i think that ash goes back to kanto mid-journey which is really cool gosh that's bizarre to think about yeah like he he never returns back to kanto un until until this moment so it, it's um does he not does he not go back in uh ruby sapphire and emerald because of the battle frontier not that i remember not that i remember i could Fair be enough. wrong but yeah uh, uh, Suffice to say, it's been a long time since I've been in Kanto. <laughs> yeah, no, very true. And uh, as you know, Ash versus Misty and Brock versus Kaki was uh, Kaki is his um, Japanese name. What's his English name? Kiyomi, that's one. Kiyomi. Kiyomi. Um, I think the more interesting of the two was um, Ash versus Misty, and I was just hoping that I could maybe ramble on a bit more about that sort of fight because Go for it. this uh, Ash returns to the gym and he's like oh my god it's a gym and this is how things should be you know even ash acknowledges this is how things should be and you know the gym has got like a water uh, sort of surface so the environment's changed as well in, in that cerulean city gym and she uses a gyarados and she's like uh, this gyarados is ready to you know mess you up ash and then so her gyarados knows rain dance he knows hurricane he knows hydro pump and it was strong enough to repel ash's electric attacks so you know yep. she, this shows her growth because she spent so long training up this gyarados to the point it's powerful enough to powerful enough to repel you know pikachu's electric attacks and we've seen this electric attack you know mess up legendary pokemon for example and she uses gyarados in such a smart way where she brings uh rain dance and then she's got hurricane to you know make sure um pikachu can't attack her and using the two she summons like a whirlpool as well uh which stops uh which traps um Ash's uh, Pikachu in this uh, sort of um, in the middle of this whirlpool, and Ash can't use electric attacks to break through it. So she she's really smart in the way she battles against Ash, and then out of nowhere she reveals that she's got a, a, a bloody Keystone uh, attached to a little hair hairband, and it's like, like so cool to see Mary. She's got a Mega Gyarados because previously we didn't know whether or not she had a Mega Evolution, and coming past Gen Six, we didn't know if we were going to see Mega Evolution as a thing again. So it's really cool to see that she had a Mega Evolution as well as as Brock had a Mega Mega Evolution, and I guess Ash is really smart in that he uses the electricity as a footing and uses Quick Attack to get up the sort of like um the little twister that um. Uh, Misty had made and then he fires off that Z move to to beat the Mega Gyarados But I thought it was a really good well animated um, sort of fight against Ash and, and Misty and it shows the pr Progression they both made over over the series um, Different series respectable series Yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. I mean it, it was a really nice um, It was a very telling battle and it always is when you know those two reunite mm -hmm. But you can always see I think the differences more clearly in terms of how they've grown mm -hmm moments like that and it's nice that they've put some thought into how you know misty will have developed and ash has, has grown as a trainer as well and honestly that was one of those moments where i felt like you know it was a reminder of just how accomplished the trainer ash is mm -hmm. and it, it, it again it feels so odd when he's back in um alola and he's battling you know rookie trainers and he's sort of losing and then he fights like that against misty and you're like well this can't be the same pikachu in the same ash mm -hmm. 
I will, I will, I will also say um, that I think in that same episode, maybe a few, a few moments earlier, uh, Misty does face up against, uh, I think, Lana and Malo. And she absolutely puts both of them down. So it, it goes to show the difference in level between, you know, Ash, Ash and them two. Because Misty didn't even use her Gyarados against the other two, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> no. It shows the difference between those two. But what's the... Uh, my turn, isn't it? I think my turn is one we've already talked about. But it's it's the... Uh, when Ash goes into alternate uh, alternate dimension. And all of a sudden he's attacked by the Guzzlord. Yes. Zero Aura appears out of nowhere uses close combat and and saves ash from getting hit by um by what's his name guzzlord that was a really cool moment yep. for me that was so so cool the way they just they just did it and you, it pans to zero aura out of nowhere we didn't expect this we didn't know zero aura was going to be in this anime and and the fact that we get to see it for the first time and the, the soundtrack that comes on is it, it was like the pokemon theme tune it was just oh god it was so cool it was so good. One of the coolest It was so unexpected. Yeah. It was so unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And the way the camera shot it, the way you can you can see Zeraora use close combat, and then it zooms into Zeraora and then zooms in more to its face just to say, no, you're not seeing things. It's actually a Zeraora out of nowhere. <laughs> Call it John Cena. <laughs> but that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments ever. And I think it might be in my like my top 20 moments of all time in the anime. And I think maybe wow. <laughs> one day <laughs> in the distant future, me and you will do a rewatch of every single episode and let's rank them rank them all but um yeah for me that was one of my favorite moments of all time do you wanna do you wanna all time do you wanna do you wanna oh i, I can hear myself oh, I, I can hear myself oh you can hear yourself yeah. you can hear yourself yeah is it coming from you That's is it coming from me i can't hear myself is anymore that... is that any better yeah it's better good uh what do you want to okay. go on to next um i think the the other one that i really want to talk about was um I think it was honestly the the island challenge just in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that all four um, island challenges that Ash had were all very, they were all very different and all very unique. And um, which one? Um, can you still hear yourself? Yeah, I, are you okay? I, I'm fine. Good. Um, the the battle with um, uh, Olivia is probably one of my favourites, where uh, you watch Rockruff evolve into. Uh, Dusk main Lycanroc mm-hmm. uh, that was really really cool and an unexpected moment. Um, the the challenge that um, I've forgotten his name. Who's the dark type trainer? Nanu. Nanu. The, the challenge that Nanu gives uh, Ash to go and take on uh, the Mimikyu in the in the um, abandoned shop is is fantastic. Yeah, we got Team Rocket that uh, come back. <laughs> the the battle with Harpu and the way that ended was was very very unexpected as well i thought it was really well done uh, and the island challenge battles felt like a you know a real step up in terms of the importance of what was going on so that was that was really nice mm. um, i thought they were handled really well i think a moment me and you both want to talk about is brock meeting olivia for the first time and that sort of uh, interaction they had yes that was that was a really cool moment where you know brock uh, a rock type specialist and olivia also a rock type specialist um, they, they meet each other for the first time and they actually have a battle and during the battle I think one of uh, Livia's Pokemon I can't remember I think it might have been Lycanroc, Lycanroc but it uses like Horn Drill against Sudowodo and Sudowodo doesn't flinch and it stays standing strong and she's like bloody hell this guy is really strong and you see that interaction go ahead and I think by the end of the episode they're both battling against Team Rocket as well and they, they both use um, a Z-move together <laughs> that was bloody fantastic yep. <laughs> very cool moment I think I think I think the um, 
the the fact that Brock hits on a woman and the woman doesn't reject him immediately, or that Misty doesn't take him away, I think is the is the bit that's really telling. Yeah. Is that actually they they have a, a a really nice relationship, and it's nice to see Brock for once, you know, make some progress mm. because often he is beaten by Misty or Krogunk or whoever else. Uh, it's nice to see him finally get a, an opportunity. Mm. Uh, I, I guess what or was Matt. really funny is that he he was desperate to meet Olivia, <laughs> and so that's why the whole journey of, the, of 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 Brock coming down to Alona to to meet Olivia happened. He just wanted to really meet her, and I'm glad he did meet her. And I, yeah. I guess one of the episodes we're going to be talking about later on, she did catch a bouquet of some sort. So just saying, <laughs> she's next. Have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, come on, Pokemon Journeys, make it happen. Um, but uh, what's what's the next episode for you that you want to talk about? Uh, I think I think that's my list actually okay. of the main episodes I wanted to talk about. Did you have any more? Yeah, the Eighth uh, Paradise episode where stuff won't leave Team Rocket. And it turns out Stuffles are actually uh, Beware's child, long lost child. Oh yeah, that was very cute. That was amazing. Yeah, that was cute. And I, I just like Stuffle because it's just a cute Pokemon. So hey, more Stuffle, more happy smiles from me. Um, you had the Meltan episode where Meltan loses its um, head, and you've got Rowlet going around trying to find find its head, and then you've got Rowlet and um, Meltan facing off against Team Rocket, where Meltan uses Flash Cannon for the first time, and that was a pretty cool uh, moment. I think Meltan and, and Rowlet bonded after that episode, so that was a really cool episode for me. Any thoughts on that one? Yes. Uh, I really liked Rowlet and Meltan's relationship, and we'll talk about it more when we talk about Ash's Pokemon, but cool. I thought they had a really nice relationship. Yeah, and I guess the last one is um, me being a, um, a gym enthusiast, and it was when they, were, when they go to uh, Mali City and they visit the Cantonian gym, quote unquote and they have that uh, battle versus his name was ryuki in the japanese version but i don't know what it was in the in the english uh, version. i think it was the same in the english version, okay actually. but yeah he, uh, a dragon type gym and ash is just really happy to see that there's there's a there's a gym in alola so that made me happy as well that that episode was hilarious yeah um so that's 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 all these sort of standout episodes or moments that i thought i should bring up on on on, on the the sort of uh the sort of section, the sort of section. So do you want to talk about episode 1000 in the English anime? Yeah, we hit uh, what episode 1000. I, th- I think it was episode 1000 in the English anime rather than episode 1000 in the Japanese anime. Japanese anime, there's two different episodes that are conflicting as to which one was the 1000th episode. Because, I don't know, some websites count banned episodes, some websites don't count banned episodes. But this this episode 1000 in the English anime is really special. And why is it special? Uh, so it's the episode where Kakui gets married to Burnett. It's such a cute way um, of proposing as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really lovely episode. Um, really touching, really romantic. A different pace from from normal episodes, but um, it was it was just a really nice episode all round. Mm-hmm. Very self contained. Um, and although I, I guess it may not be officially counted as the uh 1000 episode overall mm-hmm. um i'm just che- yeah i've just checked so officially the the 1000th episode overall is the 988th episode of the anime in in england mm-hmm. um but the 1000th episode for for the uk or the western release was um the the episode where kakui got married to burnett it was a really touching episode and i thought a really nice way to celebrate uh, a thousand episodes it was a really nice uh, a really nice episode and off the top of my head i can't i can't think of any sort of significant characters in the anime that have got married 
So I think that might be the first. No, I mean, I, I, I know that there have been weddings. I'm sure that there have been weddings. But not to like a... Um, but the, sorry. Not to a major character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's two ways we can go now. We can either talk about the champion um, exhibition match uh, at the Milano conference, or we can move on to Ash's character development. I mean, what do you want to do there, partner? Uh, let's jump into the Manalo conference. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you want to kick us off? Um, so Manalo conference. This was uh, this was something that Ash had a direct influence in making. Uh, how you say? Well, uh, there was an episode where he travels back to the past accidentally because of Celebi, uh, and he actually meets a young Kukri, and they have conversations. He tells Kukri about gems, about leagues, and stuff like that. And uh, lo and behold, Kukri, growing up in the future, wants to make a, his own sort of league, and lo and behold, he he does it. And this this brand new league is called the Milano Conference, um, and this is a very non traditional conference. Why is it non traditional? In, in what way do you mean? Well, uh, well, in terms of leagues, typically you would go to different gyms, you collect gym badges, and these gym badges would badges. Sorry, I don't. I'm using the accent came out of me there. Um, these gym badges will uh, give you access. If you get eight of them, it'll give you access uh, to participate in that sort of regions league or conference. Example being, you get the eight Kanto uh, gym badges, and you can go to the Indigo League if you've got eight badges um but this one anyone can enter yeah they let they let anyone enter anyone... there was literally a dude who rocked up with a magic card yeah and um and the way to sort of get through the preliminary rounds is by uh, participating in a battle royale <laughs> so it was like <laughs> it was very yeah, um... honestly the battle royale was the weirdest thing i didn't see it coming <laughs> i didn't see it coming <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, great that they're making a reference to Pokemon Rumble. Yeah, that they're shutting down. Yeah, but still. Yeah, so it's it's very non-traditional in that sense, and I guess the other thing about the Milano conference is that um, the the way the sort of top sixteen rounds went, where it was very much one v one instead of like uh you know four Pokemon or five Pokemon or six Pokemon, um, it it, it was a very sort of short rounds and battles, which I didn't really like that much because i think if you've come all this way through your journey you should be battling other trainers and not leaving it up to like if you make one mistake that's it it's all over for you you know typically you have uh 4v4 battles and if you do make a mistake you can still recover from it by having another pokemon in the back and you know making some sort of comeback but this league only gave you one pokemon to fa face off with till this semi-finals i believe where you had yeah i mean it did it did feel like the manalo two. conference and i get that it was open to everyone it felt like a tournament for beginners and it just didn't seem to have the caliber of participants that you know some of the other leagues have mm -hmm. i mean i think back to um the hoenn league where you know, Ash went up against a Latios and a Darkrai, and you're... Or was that was it Diamond Purple? I think it's Diamond Purple. Feel... He went up against Tobias, where he had a Darkrai. He absolutely destroyed everybody just with Darkrai, and I think Ash was the only contestant, uh, contestant even past the finals, that even managed to get uh, Tobias to reveal more than one Pokemon. So, yep. and he actually beat yeah, one you're, Pokemon. You're spot on. It yeah. was, it was, you know. Um, but you know that just, just in terms of sheer caliber of opponents. It just didn't feel like uh, the Manalo conference had had quite the rivals and competitors that, uh, or, or you know, even just the fact that they were doing one on one battles versus six on six, mm -hmm. it just felt a little bit toned down. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I guess I guess not to not to take anything away from Ash's victory. Well, Wins a win. We, we, we'll go on to like the the sort of battles Ash went through, but let's not let's not make any mistake. Ash deserved sort of that conference, and I think he did have to go up against three very tough trainers in order. Well, two I guess two very tough trainers to to get to that league title. Um, so do you want do you want to go past the do you want to go through each each battle that Ash had leading up to the finals in that case? I think we're going to have to because I'm going to rage quit on one of them. Yeah, yeah. I think me, me, and you both will. So, do you want to go for the first first battle? Remind me who it was against. Uh, was it was it uh how was Ash versus how or Ash versus Faber? No, Ash versus Faber, wasn't it? Because uh, it was. Yeah. Yes, you're right. So, do you, do you um, want to go through how Ash won this battle? Yeah. So Ash's Meltan eats Hypno's uh, medallion. Hypno then gets distracted, can't do anything, and Meltan takes it out. Um, so, firstly, fair play to Ash for overcoming the cheat that is Faber. Faber tried to trick Ash into using Meltan rather than a different Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, so, fair play. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad that Ash won. Um, and, you know, it, it felt very fitting to Faber's character. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ash got a, a cheeky win, which was uh, lots of fun to watch. It's pretty funny seeing Meltan just eat <laughs> Hypno's ring and it's just like, oh, God, what am I going to do now? But anyway, he he progresses from the top sixteen to the top eight, where he faces off against How. And I think this is this is the episode where half halfway through the episode, I paused it, I put my headphones down, and I was just like, I can't I can't do this anymore because we came off X, Y, and Z, where Ash was at his peak, and you know he was destroying trainers, and it looks like it looks like, and this was like after the break of the episode where it's made clearer that he didn't lose, but it looked like he lost at that point, and I was just thinking they literally they they they, they Oh. oh, I'm getting I'm getting heated up. But he literally chose a Rowlet in a one v one match versus Decidueye, and he he looked like he was going to lose that match. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It made me so furious that match for that one reason. But do you want to do you want to talk about why you you were quite angry with it and why you you, you had a big rant with me <laughs> about it? So Ash Ash is fighting Decidueye with his Rowlet. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, cosplay um, mind you, Rowlet is wearing an outfit. Yeah. It looks like Decidueye has knocked out Rowlet, mm -hmm. um, but it turns out that Rowlet uh, survived the attack perfectly fine and is sleeping mm -hmm. uh, on the battlefield face down. So although Ash and Rowlet are declared unable to battle, uh, in the stands, um, the decision, Harla decides to overrule the decision. Yeah. Uh, and says that actually Rowlet's asleep and therefore can carry on back. Yeah, and I, I, I then went back. I then went back and immediately watched the ending of the Indigo Plateau Conference, where Charizard fell asleep, mm -hmm. refused to battle, mm -hmm. and Ash was disqualified from the tournament. And I go, what, why, why was Rowlet allowed to continue when he was fast asleep and not battling? And I'm like, he also had been declared unable to battle. The battle was over. I think that oh. the difference the difference was one and I, I, I know I've, 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 I've had this discussion with you before but one this is a totally different conference which means there's a totally totally different rule set behind it so there's that number one number two Hull is one of the you know uh, kahunas so he's got significant influence so he can do whatever he wants all right <laughs> so leave him alone um, but I think Harler as well wanted um, how to win fair and square and not just rely on RNG of Rowlet just being asleep and being disqualified for being asleep. And you see that yeah. Hala wants Hal to become a better trainer and eventually surpass him. So I think there's also yeah. that element as well. Um but it was it kind I think, of I think my biggest I think my biggest issue with it was 
and don't get me wrong, Rowlet is probably one of my favourite of Ash's Pokemon in this absolutely in this series. absolutely. Um, but if you can't train your Pokemon to stay awake during a battle, I question your your training integrity and how well trained. It's just is. his personality. Get over it. God, it it did make me furious that in the middle of a battle that he's he's fallen asleep and um, it nearly led to him losing that battle if it weren't for Harla, you know, pointing out that Rowlet was asleep. So it did make me quite furious. But it was one of the most Oh, God damn it, I have to edit this podcast now. Uh, it was the most Rowlet sort of thing to see ever. Yeah. I'm going to put a Rowlet noise there. Sorry, I can't believe I lost my head there. Um, but yeah, it kind of made me feel like the league was even cheapened by it as well, the whole battle. They should have stuck with a traditional battle. It shouldn't have ended up like that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, just thinking about the Manalo Conference, I mean, it's the only... Um, it's the only tournament where there weren't full battles there was, as part of yeah, the tournament. Yeah. So there was no six-on-sixes in the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first time in any tournament that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was obviously, as you mentioned, the first tournament where you could enter without any specific requirements. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was very different in that regard. It was a very different tournament to the others in the series where I felt like the rule sets were pretty consistent. Mm. And I get that it's a new tournament and therefore new rules and all of that stuff. And, you know, fair play to to, to the story writers for doing that. But it, it did feel like a little bit of a a cheap a cheap moment in that episode. Yeah, because I thought you'd lost at that point. And I just I just wanted to rage quit, you know, just after seeing X, Y, and Z, what happened there. I couldn't believe they did it again. But, hey, uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. yeah, thankfully he got through to the next round. And who did he get through to the next round with? Uh, Kiawe, wasn't it? No, it was uh, it was Guzma. Kiawe was facing Gladion. It was Guzma. Yeah. Of course, it was. It was Guzma. your boy, Guzma. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really felt like they. I really felt like they underplayed Guzma's. Sorry, you've cut out there, buddy. Buddy, oh, we've lost him. We've lost him, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut this out quickly. And we'll go back into the call with him. Yeah, he's 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 muted. I don't know what's going on, people. The joy of Discord, I presume. Yeah, very much so, JMed. It is the joy of Discord. Um so I, I think I'll talk about it in the meanwhile whilst he tries to get his, his sound back. Um but this this was the battle where um Ash goes up against Guzma, and I think there was something at stake here where, you know, if Guzma wins this conference, league conference, then uh, you know the league would be disabandoned and they won't do the league anymore. And so Ash was facing this uh, trainer who we saw in the previous round is a very sort of merciless trainer. He's very brutal, um, and and so Ash had quite the challenge there. And this was a two v two match instead of a, it, what you'd normally have in a semi final, like a five v five or or a six v six. So it was uh, Ash uh, versus um, Scizor and um, Scizor and uh, what do you call it? There we go. Oh, there we are. Yep. <laughs> that was weird. The audio just cut out. Okay. So I was just talking about it's Ash versus Scizor and um, I forget his English name. Glycopod. That's uh, that's it. But you were saying that something was underplayed here. What was underplayed? Yeah, it just felt like um, it just felt like the the Guzma's transformation from this character who was very kind of stubborn and aggressive to someone who was running away from everything to 
him actually getting this point was a bit underplayed. I really wanted to see Guzma go through a bit of a journey between being this character who was really kind of arrogant and aggressive to, you know, mellowing. And I just felt like it was a bit of a cheap ending to um, are you, his transformation. Are you, are you talking about the end of the fight? Not the end of the fight per se, just his personal transformation rather than the fight itself. It's, I don't understand what you're talking about then in that case. Because what do you mean? Throughout the series and and up up until this fight as well, uh, after the battle, obviously he comes to terms with things. Um, but Guzma was very much the kind of guy, and this is going to character talk, but he was very much the kind of guy who was a coward, um, and he didn't know how to use Zemus properly, and therefore you know he felt patronized every time Kukui would compliment him, saying you're you're coming far as a trainer and you're you're getting better and better, and he gave up the whole sort of idea of using Z moves and whatnot, and um, you know he he established Team Skull, and amongst Team Skull he's called the undefeated because you know he beats weak trainers and he doesn't face the strong ones using excuses against them, so. You know, he's always been a coward at heart, and you know, him losing to Ash makes him realize that losing is okay. And I think uh, Glycopod helps him to realize that, and that's why he mellows. Um, so I didn't think anything was particularly, you know, cheap about it or wrong about it. I think, no, no, I don't think it was cheap. I just think I would have liked to see a bit more screen time with Guzma after that fact. Okay. For it to really, to, to see how it had affected him. Yeah, okay. I that's I what I would have liked. Because he sort of, he sort of, that, that moment happened, and then that was it. He stepped away. Mm -hmm. It would have been really great to see him, I don't know, you know, giving it his all against Guzzlord or something like that that just said he'd got the point and he was gonna change his ways. Mm -hmm. We know we know he 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 was starting to reform, but we didn't get to see the payoff of that reformation that you know Ash helped him to come to realise. Um yeah. but the fight itself was actually it, it contains one of the funniest moments in Pokemon history. And do you know what I'm talking about here? No, you're gonna to have to tell me. Uh, Fire blast! Oh, Glycopod uses <laughs> emergency exit. Oh yeah. Scissor comes yeah. out, looks up, sees Fire blast coming coming against him, and it's just like KO, <laughs> gone, <laughs> finished. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> it was so brilliant, and I love the fact that they've they they kept you know Glycopod's ability, um, and that's how they sort of explain its cowardice. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I find that to be a pretty good fight. Um, a bit less brutal compared to what um. Uh, Lana had to go through with her pre-marina and, you know, uh, Guzma yes. using, you know, liquidation and poison jab and, and whatnot and really, really taking Lana apart in that in that episode. So Yeah, Throat Chop, throat chop was a brutal move. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> you can't use, uh, she couldn't use, oh, oh, what's the English name of it? Oceana something? Sparkling Aria. That's the one. Sparkling Aria. No, Oceanic Operata is the same move, isn't it? Which, which actually Primarina did manage to pull off. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, you know, that was, that was the semi-final fight. And, you know, Guzma was a strong trainer, but he was not nearly as strong as his next opponent, who was... Uh, Gladion. Yeah, Gladion. So what do you think of this fight with Gladion? I thought it was... Um... Uh, I, thought, I thought the fight with Gladion was, was fitting of a final. I thought it was a really good fight. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it really tested Ash. I thought that it really tested Gladion. Uh, and I felt like the outcome was the right one, but I did feel like it was a really good and and really sort of interesting battle. I thought the moment with 
uh, Zoroark was really well done. Yes, yes. Um, the reactions you get to seeing Zoroark for the first time where Lusamine sees Zoroark and she's like, hang on a minute, that's my husband's because we know that her husband's sort of missing. And Zoroark subsequently went missing as well alongside alongside Moan. So to see Zoroark still alive made her think, hang on a minute, there's a possibility here that my, my husband's alive. But what a cool to moment. To be honest, the bit, that I, the bit that I really liked was that Ash went through the same confusion that I always go through when I fight Zoroark yeah. in a competitive mode where i'm like wait a second like Kinkelda can't use dark pulse what's going on i have to do that moment where i'm like oh i understand yeah. what's going on now so, like and the fact that ash didn't know that gladion had Zoroark made it all the more interesting but it was just it was just that moment where i'm like ash i get it feel for you <laughs> feels bad man <laughs> it was real bad but, um gladion's a sort of uh contender you'd sort of see in another conference that you'd see in the top 16 the top eight and so ash does have a moment against a very strong trainer with strong pokemon let's not forget you know lycan rock you yeah, have absolutely. got silver silvadi or silvalli or however you want to call it in the english Silvalli, Japanese, yeah. yeah and then you've also got zoroark now added to the ranks who we know is a very strong pokemon in its own right so yeah i feel like i feel like gladion had a, a good team and a, it was a good battle. you were quite confused by the ending of that battle though weren't you <laughs> do you remember this i just i just i just couldn't get into my head yeah that he won <laughs> it just made no sense yeah because we saw the counter like, and how... you forget that ash also knows how to use counter flag and rock and so how, how what yeah it was just it was i just didn't understand how ash won. you were like send out the next pokemon now because this is not over but no it is very much over yeah, I was like, surely this can't be it. Surely Ash can't win. Like, the whole point is that he just gets right up to the end and then he loses at the last second. And you see it. But no, he won. It, well, one of the cool moments before we talk about the, the ending of that fight was actually Z-Move versus Z-Move. You have uh, you have him using Neverending Nightmare Gladion against Pikachu and Ash smiling and, and, and knowing that he's got an out here where he, he thinks ingeniously, yeah. hang on, run away from it, make you look make it look like you're running away, turn around and use a Z-Move to destroy... Um, destroy um, what you call it? Yeah, it was very cool. What was it? Never ending that. What was the Pokemon? It was um, shit. It was, it was Pikachu, wasn't it? Pikachu versus Silvadi, wasn't it? Zorak. Was it Zorak? Was it? Oh, oh Zorak. Yeah, Zorak. Zorak. Sorry, that used Never Ending Nightmare, and so he has to one shot it before uh, the Z move reaches Pikachu, and it was just a brilliant moment and yeah. good thinking from yeah, Ash there, and that's the Ash we know, you know, someone that thinks outside the box. Um, yeah. So yeah, at the end of the battle, you see Ash on the ground, just looking up at the sky, and it's just like. He's he's worn out. He's tired, and he's just like even he can't believe he's done it. So, what a sweet no. moment, honestly. What a sweet moment. Um, but that wasn't the end of the Milano conference because after you, after you beat the the cha the not champion the finalist, you get to face the unbeatable Royal Mask, uh, or Mask Royale, or whatever you want to call him. Um, and this was the first fight in the series that was six versus six. Um, and it, it was it was yeah. quite a treat for us, I'd say. I was going to say, if there was any battle in Ash's entire career that made me validate that he deserved to be champion, it was the battle with Cuckoo. So I I should probably talk about the Pokemon that, um, you know, Cuckoo have. And this is the kind of caliber, because Cuckoo, let's not forget it, he's a very experienced trainer. He's a, a Pokemon professor that specifically studies moves, so he knows his stuff. Um, he does a side job in that he, he does the... Uh, battle royale thing i can't remember the city but he does the battle royale thing um, and he's undefeated in that and this is the pokemon team he led out with he had incineroar he had uh braviary he had venusaur he had empoleon he had lucario and he had tapu coco i mean anyone that beats that lineup against such an experienced trainer deserves a championship 
and like you said him him facing off against Kukui validated that whole entire sort of championship for me to say Ash Ash beat someone that was strong and therefore deserves a title for doing so yeah i mean i i definitely think that that battle validated him as a mm. champion and the battle itself um it was split into four parts which i think might have been one of the longest arcs in the series itself and it was a very nice treat to have four different parts to one battle and argue ar arguably probably one of the best battles in the whole series uh not sun and moon only but across the sort of generations what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there, there are some battles that definitely stand out for me in Ash's time as a trainer, and, and Kikuri's one is absolutely mm. one of them. I think the other one for me recently was Ash vs. Sawyer slash Shota, if you remember that one, uh, in XY, XYZ in the semi-finals. Yes. That was a Sawyer such and a, his mega set battle. Yeah, such yep. a good battle. Um, but yeah, so Ash, Ash does go on to beat... Um, cookery uh and so as we said it validates the whole entire championship uh but what what should happen after he beats cookery can i can he rest as champion absolutely not no what happens we get a, a sky full of ghosts <laughs> i can't believe it just just out of nowhere you know you think ash is finally won his last fight you can rest now we can go celebrate nope an ultra beast comes out of the sky and that's where the end of the episode yeah, it was a really good cliffhanger. Yeah, and uh, we've already discussed how they repelled the the Guz Lords, how Ash already had the experience and let everybody know that this is the weaknesses, this is what you need to aim for. But on a whole, the Milano Conference was very underwhelming, apart from the last two battles where, you know, you had two very, very worthy rivals, I guess you can call them. Um, yeah, and it was strange because the Milano Conference had more battles actually, like, on the show than any other tournament before. Mm -hmm um because it showed all, you know every single all, all bits of every single battle from the knockout stages yeah um you know and it had um you know obviously more trainers 151 participants originally sorry you're, you're so, absolutely you know, right like in in the other sort of conferences we only see ashes battles usually only ashes battles but in this one we see every single top 16 round yeah. battle top eight round battle top four round battle so you can see each character's sort of progression in those fights and what makes them so special exactly no you're, you're absolutely right have you got any more points in, in relation to the Milano conference or no i mean like i said i think it was generally speaking it was a bit of a an, an underwhelming conference right up until the end and then it really cranked up to top gear when we got to the the finals and especially the exhibition match i think we need to talk about um tapu coco getting involved and facing off against pikachu and how epic that battle was and how pikachu actually overwhelms tapu coco for the first time and uh proves that it is the best electric pokemon out there in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ash. I mean, I, I still want to know. I still don't know to this day who Kakuri's six Pokemon was going to be. Yeah, um, I'm curious, but I have to say that uh, it was nice to see Pikachu finally get one over on Tapu Koko. Yeah, and, and especially it being a legendary Pokemon because before this, it did have a couple of battles with Tapu Koko. I think the first one he got absolutely destroyed. I think the second one is where it was a bit more evenly matched, and then Ash got teleported to that alternative universe. Um, and then this third one, you see Pikachu actually wreck shop and actually Ash do a Kamehameha with Pikachu <laughs> to end the battle. Yes. Yeah. But it was really cool to see very, actually very cool. um, uh, Kukui actually got the Z ring for the Tapu, the Tapiponium Z. And you see it, yep. this massive giant Tapu who come out of nowhere. <laughs> that was such a cool moment, honestly. 
Yeah, I really wanted to see what that would look like. So I'm really glad that we got a chance to because that is he's definitely the coolest scene. Uh, I think the next segment we go into is the uh, character development with Ash. Do you want to talk about Ash's uh, character development? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we talked a bit, a bit at the beginning about, um, you know, generally how the, the series began with Ash taking a big step backwards, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of his maturity and development. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as the series goes on, and he deals with some pretty hard-hitting issues, um, you know, he does pick up, and obviously, you know, at the end of the Nalo conference as champion, he does very much feel like a, a new, you know, confident and I think very reflective Ash, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously very thoughtful about his time in Alola and the, the Pokemon that he's been with, which is which is great. Um, I mean, we'll come on to his Pokemon in a second, but for me, that was kind of the, the main part for, for me with Ash. So yeah, Ash did take a t- step back at the beginning of this series, but I think we do still see in battles, you know, that he still retains some of his ingenious uses of moves in battles. We see Electric Web, where he, he uses that um, to beat Mimikyu, for example. Uh, how he beats Hapu by uh, spraying sort of water on Mudsdale and making it weak to Electric by making uh, Mudsdale a water type, essentially, with Soak. Um, and then, obviously, he uses Sludge Bomb versus um, Lucario's Kukri. Uh, Kukri's Lucario. <laughs> Sorry, it's not the other way around. Yeah, yeah as well. And, you know... Uh, Kukri's thinking, why is this trainer doing this? And obviously, Ash had the goal of blinding sort of uh, uh, Kukri and and getting up the upper hand against him. Um, And also against Misty as well, we see how Pikachu escapes from a vortex uh, that Misty says herself, no one's ever been able to beat my Gyarados up until that point where Ash does it. So, um, yeah, Yeah. he still retains that sort of genius use of Pokemon moves, which was nice to see. Um, And I think the development of him comes from the Ultra Task Force, which was a big thing in the series where you have this Ultra Task Force taking out all these Ultra Beasts left, right, and center. But I think when it comes to the Ultra Task Force, you get an Ash that's a bit more mature, that thinks a little bit more. He's not as impulsive as he is in the sort of day-to-day of the Sun and Moon series, which is quite the contrast to see um, because... I think in the series we have a more hyperactive sort of um, impulsive Ash, but specifically for these episodes where he faces Ultra Beasts, he's a lot more methodical, a lot more smarter, which was quite quite a stark uh, difference to what we saw throughout the series. That's all I've got to really say about Ash's character development. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Thank you. I think I think um, I think my favourite thing about um, his time with the Ultra Beasts is it gave it gave Ash a chance to be much more thoughtful and considerate about other Pokemon yeah. and their well-being and how they live and, and that was a nice side to see of Ash because it get, you know it added the depth of maturity to it mm-hmm. um, and let's talk about Pokemon for example um, so uh, a bit of trivia for you uh, this series marked three notable firsts for his team uh, not counting temporary captures uh, so he caught his first genderless Pokemon uh, that being Poipo. Uh he caught his first mm-hmm. steel type in Meltan and also with Meltan he's fir- he caught his first mythical Pokemon it's a little trivia for you. There you go. Um, but in terms of his Pokemon, then we'll talk about his Pokemon. He had a Pikachu. He had a Rockruff that later evolved into Lycanroc. He had a Rowlet. Uh, he had Poipol, as we've already said. He had an Incineroar, and he had a Melmetal slash Meltan. So uh, where do you want to start, buddy? Uh, let's start with uh, with uh, Rowlet. I mean, for me, probably my favourite of those was Rowlet. Yes, absolutely. Um, such a you know such a, a source of comedy in every episode that he was in mm-hmm. um really kind of wealthful through character design uh, i liked that he found an everstone i liked that he held on to it <laughs> um it was everything about him was funny everything about him was 
uh, really sweet. I really liked uh, Rallet. I thought he was a great addition to Ash's roster. And let's just talk about his humble beginnings. You know, it was it was born to uh, uh, a two cannon amongst Picky Peck as well. Um, and he was always part of that nest. And it wasn't until Rowlett met Ash where Rowlett went back to the nest thinking, okay, this is things as usual. And he had two cannon telling Rowlett, no, you found somewhere you belong now. Go ahead, leave the nest, and go travel with Ash, which was really cool. Um, in terms of his yeah, character, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, he, he had a really nice backstory. And I liked actually with all of Ash's Pokemon that they had some backstory to them and it wasn't just it wasn't random captures pokemon and i caught yeah yeah um and i think uh he had some notable moments i think one was uh uh, against olivia where he uses bloom doom uh and he managed to take take out one of olivia's pokemon which is really cool um the other one was he had an arc where um he faced up against how's dartrix if you remember this um rowlet wanted to learn bullet seed in order to counter um dartrix after losing to it but then rotom points out you can't lose bullet seed but uh rowlet was really stubborn about it using all sorts of objects to try to learn bullet seed and it un- unintentionally swallows an everstone and then st- seed bomb through it so <laughs> it was pretty pretty cool but now it means it can't ever evolve into a dartrix or or, or decidui now it's what that uh everstone uh, but that was pretty cool. It, I still think it's perfect. Oh, yeah, I still think it's perfect for him. Yeah, I I I, I like how he learned <laughs> seed bomb proof swording in the Everstone by accident. Um, uh, Rowlet uh, has got a good relationship with Meltan, which we'll talk about when we get into the Meltan territory. But uh, another battle is against the uh, Dragon type gym, which was pretty cool. Uh, Rowlet again sealing the show against the Dragon type gym. Um, yeah, and it learned it learned Brave Bird there, I believe. Um, uh, I think it did. Yeah. And I think what was really cool is when Ash decided to use Rowlet against Hal when he found out he was facing Hal. Um, Rowlet flew into the sky, approached a wild wing and asked it to bring its family to Milano Stadium to watch the match, <laughs> which is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and like um, before the match, you know, you had two cannon and Trumpeak uh, demonstrate to Rowlet how to use Feather Dance, which was really cool. And Rowlet was trying to learn how to use it and he eventually learns how to use it during the fight, uh, which really helps him beat Decidueye. Um, but also his family gives him a cosplay of Decidueye as well, which is now canonly called Decidulet. <laughs> so it was really cool. Nice. It was really cool. It, it, yeah, it was there's very, a lot very cool. to love about Rowlet, really. And it was a powerful Pokemon for for um, all intents and purposes, as we've seen it fight in um, all the all the battles that Ash was in and hold its own. So God bless Rowlet, I'd say. And um, <laughs> it's my favorite uh, grass type Pokemon now of all time. And I wish I could nap with her. Oh wow! Yeah, it's my favorite grass type Pokemon of all time. So, wow. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to Pikachu if you don't mind, because I think Pikachu deserves a big shout out here because Pikachu, um, after having Electric Ball for such a long time, it learns Electric Web in a fight against Mimikyu. Uh, this is one of the trials he had to face before facing Nanu again. Um, and it's such a he uses in so many versatile ways, you know, as a springboard sometimes, trap Pokemon sometimes. So shout out to Pikachu for learning a new move this generation, which I think is going to carry him well in in future generations. Um, he also uses yeah. One of the nice things about Electro Web is it's it's a move that's not just offensive. Yeah, and it's nice to see Pikachu get a move that's going to add real versatility to the way ash uses it mm-hmm. and it, he uses it to trap Guzzlord in that alternative universe arc uh to send Guzzlord yep. back so that was really cool and i guess the other thing is um pikachunium z or pikachunium z or however you want to sort of call it um 
he learns how Pikachu to and Yeah, he learns how to use ten million uh, Volt Thunderbolt and uses it a few times in the series. And that was a really cool move to to learn. So yeah. Pikachu, powerful as ever, takes out a legendary Pokemon, uh, beats Harless Hariyama in a, in a in a grand trial, beats the Totem Gunshoes, holds it holds its own against Tapu Koko, again like I said, beats Misty's Mega Gyarados, which no other trainers man- managed to beat, like she said. Uh beat an Ultra Beast in the Heligo. I mean, what can you say about Pikachu? It, it just went from strength strength to strength in this um, yeah. series. Which is nice, it didn't get beaten by a, a Snivy or something stupid like that. Um <laughs> But yeah, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, should we talk about Lytton? Okay, go for Lytton. Tell me about Lytton. What's so special about Lytton here? So I think I think Lytton's backstory was really special. And he goes through several stages of grief in his time with Ash, where he's missing Stoutlin, his old friend who passes away. And there's some really touching episodes for Lytton that we talked about earlier, where um, you know he re-encounters Stoutland. And often for him, that's the moments where he grows the most, is, you know, encountering Statland as, you know, a memory or a spirit or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was that was really, uh, really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. And as a personality, Lytton was very always fiery, determined, and it was good to see it bond with Ash finally join Ash's team. Uh, get over yeah, the- and I thought it had a great, it had a great rivalry with Kukui's uh, Incineroar. Yeah. Um, that obviously spurred it on from fight to fight. Mm-hmm. That was really, really and cool. And for it to finally get its comeuppance against um, Incineroar by evolving into Incineroar itself and finally beating Incineroar was um, quite, a, quite a sweet moment for Litten and its journey through Alola with Ash. Um, Absolutely. I do want to I do want to get through a couple more very quickly because I know, I guess, even though I did say this is a spoiler cast, time is off the table. I think people uh, attention spans might drop off after this point, so I'll quickly give a um, shout out to Mel Metals Meltan. This is a mythical Pokemon though, that we still don't know what generation it's from, but you know, accidentally joined Zash's team, and it was really cool to see within the tournament that. Um, thank you, thank you for the host, J, J. Medforth. Um, it's really cool to see through, during the tournament that it evolves into Mel Metal by combining combining with other uh, Mel Metals, and it did put in a lot of work against you know Kukui and Gladion with double iron bash so shout out to meltan and it had a relationship with rowlat uh where they, they were both you know in ash's bag sleeping and when it became a mel metal uh rowlat relocated to the middle of uh, mel metal's chest which was pretty funny but it was a really cool pokemon to have in the series and it was really nice to see ash have a mythical pokemon in his arsenal um and i guess we get poipol as well who joins ash for a little while uh, before moving into his own world um but poipol joined ash uh, and was instrumental for the whole sort of um ultra beast arc with um necrozma and uh, poipol was very cheerful a bit of a prankster but it was a really sweet pokemon and i'm glad that he came back uh, as a naganadel to ash in the final to help him win his first ever uh, championship trophy so um what do you think of ash's stream pretty strong team as a whole how does it compare it, it's strange it's strange that when I think of Ash's standout, you know, most powerful Pokemon, I, you know, the ones that spring to mind, Charizard, Sceptile, um, uh, uh, you know, Infernape, but definitely the ones that really come to mind off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about his team in Alola, certainly, um, I, obviously Incineroar, I think, is, is slightly to the side because it evolved so late in the story. Mm-hmm. But I don't think of Rowlet and Lycanroc as being in that tier. Um and, and it's strange that Melmetal, Dagonardal, and um, Incineroar all came about right at the end. Mm-hmm. And actually, Ash had more Pokemon evolved during the Manalo conference than he has in any other tournament ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think, you know, as we've got right at the end of that battle with Kakuri, did he have a very strong team? Absolutely. He had a mythical Pokemon and an Ultra Beast. So that's something he's never had before. Mm -hmm. But if you take those two away for a second, his team for me doesn't stand out as his most powerful team of all time. No, for sure. Um, but I didn't. I, I thought it was pretty strong until you made that point of like they did join that all at the end. So, uh, but I, I guess yeah. we're looking at that you, as a whole. And if you actually subtract those, if you subtract uh, Melmetal and Naganadle, actually his other three Pokemon really don't. Um, stand out as all that power i forgot to mention rockcroft i need to give a little shout out to rockcroft rockcroft's arc as well was pretty touching um it was a playful pokemon but when meeting lycanroc you know it, it became determined to become a lycanroc itself and wanted to yeah. wanted to fight wanted to train wanted to evolve and it was quite aggressive throughout the series um it does eventually evolve into the dusk form which no one in the head and alola had seen for such a long time uh through the help of the uh tapus i think it was tapu Finny or Lele? It was Lele, wasn't it? That helped it evolve into the uh, Dusk form. But it had a yes. nice little arc where, you know, Nanu tested it, made it angry, and it sort of slowly learned how to deal with his anger about getting dirty, getting wet during a battle, and um, turned its uh, weakness of um, going into a berserk mode into its own strength, a bit like uh, um, a previous series, and the name is escaping me, Pokemon. Uh, Paul's old Pokemon uh monkey uh uh Simeon? who are you talking about oh, shish, i'm so shish, confused shish. um infernape that's the one infernape how it had oh, anger it, issues. Oh, yeah it had anger it couldn't control yeah, yeah, yeah. so um lycanroc kind of has that same story arc as well which is it's nice to see yes yeah where he learns to control yeah, it and and it and it pays it pays dividends because it controls it at just the right time in the final uh to win ash the trophy um, so yeah, yes. I'd, I'd say he's a pretty strong team overall, maybe stronger than maybe some of his original teams early on, but certainly not as strong as the one in XYZ, that's for sure. That is for sure. No, no, no. Uh, characters, we see so many char characters in the series, but I think I'm going to touch on, um, we've, we've talked about Lana, we've talked about Mallow, we've talked about Sophocles, but Lily, I think we need to give a shout out to. Sophocles. Sophocles. Um, uh, he's called Mama Name, oh, the, um, Mama Name in the Japanese, which is basically uh it is what it is basically translated <laughs> so it's a weird name um but lily she has this um arc where she finally is able to touch pokemon again but it's revealed as a kid uh she got attacked by an ultra beast and uh a type null helps her against the ultra beast but she doesn't see it that way and so she's got a fear of pokemon that um you know she has to live with and you know slowly in the anime she gets this egg with Vulpix and slowly learns how to interact with pokemon and it's quite sweet by the end of it she's got a magina and she finds out her dad's still alive and she goes on this her own journey to go find out where her dad is um but it's nice to see that she didn't have confidence in the beginning she couldn't interact with pokemon and now she's setting out on her own journey uh in the series to go find out where her father is which is um pretty cool do you want to say anything about lily I think she has some really nice character development. Of all of the, the side characters, she obviously was the one that changed the most over time, yeah. you know, getting over PTSD and all that. Mm. I think it was handled really delicately, and I, I was really impressed with her as a character. Gladion we see in and out through the series. There's not much to talk about him other than that we know he's a very strong trainer, um, and he's got a legendary Pokemon as his partner, so pretty cool for him. Kukri <laughs> um, is the one I want to talk about, where Kukri for me is one of the best Pokemon professors we've had in such a long time. He's a strong trainer as well, and I think for me, he's the sort of father figure that Ash really needed and never had. So I want to give a big shout yeah, out to Kukri. Yeah, and Kukui. you really, you really see that at the end of the in the final moments of the of the series where 
Kakui and Burnett are giving Ash a hug and you really do get a sense of this is his Alolan family, you know, this is his dad and his mum in Alola and you really get a sense of that. The other thing for Kakui is, I mean, no Pokemon professor has ever been this involved in a uh, a series before. Kakui is in, you know, not every episode, but the vast majority of them. Sure. And obviously the others, Professor Oak, Rowan, etc., just aren't in the episodes. And it's really nice to see Kakui in, you know, so many episodes because I think he's a great character and he adds a lot to the to the series. Uh, the the only thing to say is that at the end as well, he says to Ash, "Look, wherever you go, where, wherever you are, if you ever need anything, we'll be always." He says, "We," as in with Burnett, he will always be here for you. So yeah. don't forget that. And I I did tear up at that moment because that was such a nice moment. Um, Kiawe, he's got a, f- a farm. Uh, he wants to be a strong trailer, uh, and he wants to be the island sort of representative. Forgot what the name of it is called. Um, Kahuna, he wants to be a Kahuna in his own uh, yeah. island, so that's pretty cool. Lana, she's a very playful person. She goes off on her own adventure to go find um, Manaphy, so that's really cool. Uh, Mallow, obviously, we talked about how she deals with death in, in the series, and she wants to run a cafeteria, so um, good luck to her on that. Soft Cool deals also with sort of death uh, in the sense that we have that one episode with the um, star Pokemon. A Minior, for example, a, a star Pokemon where he forgets all about Minior and he realizes why he forgot about Minior because of the horrific reveal that Minior that come down from the skies die within about 24 hours of them coming down. So uh, he had to sort of learn about that and get over that. So he has his own little arc and now he's no longer afraid of the dark. So good, good for him. And he does have a few episodes where um, his charger bug does a few races here and there, which is quite funny. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I've got to say about soft calls really. How how is portrayed differently in the anime compared to the games where how in the anime is a lot more energetic, he's he's quite confident, uh, but just inexperienced and so I guess his fight against Ash is gonna really spur him on to uh train more, get more experience and come back to the Milano conference to to become a champion himself. So best of luck to him. Um yeah, and I hope he makes it all the way to, to be a Kahuna. We talked about Burnett briefly. Where do we know Burnett from before the Sun and Moon anime? I don't know. We knew her from the Pokemon Dream World. She was the professor introduced there, would you believe? What, what so she was one of Professor Fennel's assistants? So, so um, she had in a relationship with one of the professors. I, I think I've got the Japanese name. Yeah, Fennel. She was one of, she's friends with Professor Fennel. But if you go to Pokemon Dream World, you actually see Burnett there as well as a character. So how how interesting. Yeah. So it was it was cool that this is her first debut in the core series, um, but she ah. does she is a professor that did sort of dream studies as well, as um, very nice as uh, Fennel. But she also in this series she does um, research about the Ultra Holes and she's instrumental during the UB arc helping um, everyone get inside the wormhole, um, which sounds wrong, but. That aside, she's such a sweet character, and I'm really get, glad that she hooked up with um, Kukri. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say with Burnett. Uh, Samson Oak, who's a professor, who's the cousin of um, Professor Oak, he loves puns, and I absolutely loved his puns. But I just wanted to say something about him. His uh, Japanese voice actor died. Uh, it was the same voice actor as Professor Oak as well, who had been since the very beginning of the series till now. So over a thousand episodes with him, and I just want to pay tribute to Unsho uh, Ishizuka, who was the voice actor for both Professor Oak and uh, Samson Oak. And may he rest in peace. He did the stellar job. Um, no, he really, he really did. You know, a very, very recognizable voice in the series. 
Absolutely. And I, I, I want to um, shout Team Rocket in the series who continue to be entertaining, uh, provided a lot of um, comedy relief. It was heartbreaking to see them having to leave um, uh, Hidoide, which is Toxapex, uh, or Marini, I guess, um, and also have to leave Mimikyu behind. Um, but they had a relationship with Beware, which we should mention. Like, instead of bl blasting off again, you know, Beware would appear out of nowhere and collect them before they blast off again. <laughs> And it was only like two or three did you, episodes. Did where you did you prefer that? I I I, um, I I liked it for the context of the series. Um, and there were two or three episodes where they do get to blast off again, and Team Rocket were quite happy that they got to blast off again. But um, yeah, I kind of like Beware appearing out of nowhere. It's just it just added comedy relief, and that's sort of what Sun and Moon does, right? It adds a lot of comedy, and there's always a funny moment yes. in in it. So I thought it was funny. Did you think it was funny? Or did you like it? Sorry. I definitely, I definitely thought it was funny the first few times. I, I wish that it hadn't lasted as long as it did, yeah. because sometimes I felt like I was being deprived of, like what I really wanted, which was to hear we're blasting off again. Yeah. It felt like we were always being teased, and then we just got it taken away from us at the last second. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I really like Beware generally. So they had a rivalry with Matori, which we spoke about earlier, where Matori had a Lolan Meowth that tricked Team Rocket to get to the top, basically, of the Rocket organization. So they had that rivalry. Um, and they do get in the way of Team Rocket, especially Matori, uh, when Team Rocket are trying to get through the wormhole, so that was pretty cool. Uh, we find out that Nanu is an acquaintance of uh, Giovanni, and Giovanni speaks to Nanu, and he tells he tells Team Rocket to go visit Nanu to go get themselves a Z-Ring. Uh, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> very cool reveal there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very interesting. I mean, it fits Nanu's personality and mm -hmm. character very well. Uh, in this series, we have Team Skull, and I guess in this series, Team Skull don't play a huge part in it. Uh, Guz Guzma plays the biggest part of Team Skull, but Team Skull are just a funny, funny gang, and they're there again for comedy relief. There's not much they actually uh, contribute to in the overall story of the anime, so that's just a little aside about um, Guzma. But who's your favorite character? I have a lot from the entire. From the, uh, I think it probably is Kukuri. I really liked him as a as a father figure to Ash. I thought he was uh, a funny character in the right ways. I thought his relationship with Burnett was really sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just nice to see Ash have a a sort of mentor figure that I don't think he's had in quite the same way from Brock or Silen or anyone else that he's travelled with. I think Kukui just gives this this element of maturity that is really nice for Ash. Mm -hmm. So for me, he's probably my highlight. Um, How about you? Yeah, Kukui for sure. Absolutely for sure. Um, I mm -hmm. did like Lusamine's arc where she... Uh, doesn't realize how much she's um, contributing to the destruction of her own family. And it's only until the after the arc where she finally gets kidnapped by the elder beast and she gets saved, where she starts to realize things and starts to understand that you know her family is precious and she needs to take more time to look after her family uh, and not accuse of Lily of being a child. So you know that was a good character arc. But Kukui for sure, and especially because of the end and how he ended with Kukui and Ash he's always going to have a special place in my heart honestly and i i do hope with pokemon journeys we see him again at, at some point um and just before i come into the music of the series uh there was a band episode and i don't know if you're even aware of this but um i no, i was aware of it yeah i, di I, I didn't i didn't even realize this was a band episode until i was getting together a spoiler cast because i watched it and i just assumed and i didn't think it was anything wrong but um it was essentially an episode where ash um, meets a Persimian who's getting bullied and um, he essentially helps the Persimian uh, take out this other group of Persimian or makes the other group of Persimian realize that they shouldn't be so aggressive with this Persimian but in order to become a Persimian Ash sort of uh, 
guessing cosplay, uh, but some people interpret it as Ash going to blackface, and therefore uh, the West did not decide to use that episode. So I'm not going to say it's right. I'm not going to say it's wrong. But I think the fact that I didn't even realize um, there was anything wrong with it speaks to um, maybe an overreaction in the West. But that's that well, everyone's. I think with everything. Yeah, I mean, certainly there's there's no insinuation in the episode that he's doing um, it to mock or you know, be racially insensitive. It's anything, yeah. it's anything malicious, but I can certainly understand. Oh yeah, sure. The sensitivities uh, and and I think you know, do I feel one way or the other about whether it was right or wrong? Um, you know, probably I'd I'd rather err on the side of sensitivity that says you know don't don't show it, but um, you know, the, the, I think I think it's just one of those tricky situations where. Um, you know that there are probably less uh, sensitivities in in the Japanese audience than there are globally. I, um, oh, dude. I mean, I you ahead. know what? you're right. You're right. The culture's a bit different, but I just think he was dressing up as a Pokemon, and that's that's how I looked at it personally. And I just thought, I I I couldn't see it being a problem. And then, like you said, oh no, yeah. and, and so and so like I think in isolation I would totally agree with yeah. you. And like I don't want to get into to this debate on the podcast because <laughs> yeah. it's a Pokemon podcast, yeah. but I do, I do, I do certainly understand and sympathise with people who may actually, um, who may actually disagree with it. I do, I do understand the do point. Do I think anyone lost anything by not watching it? No, not really. And I guess Pokemon no. Company made the decision, and it's not one that's really going to affect the grand scheme of things. So fair play to them. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, that was a cool little trivia. That there was a banned episode, which I was quite shocked about. But hey, there, there we are. And um, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the the music, uh, the intros. I, I didn't like the English intro. I like the Japanese intros. I'm not even going to bore people with that. They can go watch it if they if they want to listen to it. Uh, but I did. I actually I actually really liked the first uh, English intro. It. Um, I might be in the minority, it, it um, but I actually it. really thought it, it suited it. It, fit, it fitted it. It fitted yeah. it because of the music. But was it good? Yeah. To, we're going to have to do an English top tier, like English openings list. It's <laughs> a far cry to what we used to get back in the day with Pokemon. Absolutely. And what we're actually getting yeah. with Journeys now, which was actually surprising to me. So uh, uh, shout out to the mm. intros. But I didn't like the intros too much, especially the Ultra Adventures intro or whatever. Do you, have you listened to the Ultra Adventures intro? Yes, no, I have. It's really weird. Really weird. Um, it is. They're all really weird. The background music, so the the Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, what they did really smartly is they incorporated previous series' music into this uh, series. And so they're drawing from all sorts of different eras of Pokemon and bringing in the music here. And I really like that. Um, but um, you wanted to talk about the dub and uh, using uh, the X and Y battle music for the fight against uh, Gladion, didn't you? So it didn't occur to me until I watched an episode of the dub that the background music is different in some instances in the dub versus the the Japanese original, yeah. the, the sub. Um, and it actually bothered me a bit that the music for the Manalo conference was all the XY battle music and not the Sun Moon battle music. And even and I... then when I compared it to the... Sorry, keep going, keep going. No, go ahead. No, no, go, go. I was going to say when I compared it to the when I compared it to the the sub, the Japanese original, like the 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 atmosphere and the tense, you know, the tense atmosphere that the original music creates is so much better than um, perhaps I think I, I mean I, I personally think what the the sub creates. Sorry, no, the, than what the dub creates, um, because I do think that the XY battle music felt a little bit out of place because I do think that the, the general overtunes from the Sun and Moon series were really nice and they obviously had you know lots of different. Um, audio from from the Sun and Moon series that they featured, mm -hmm. 
it was just strange to then at the end switch back to X and Y for the, the championship match. And not only just or matches. X and Y, but I watched the uh, the entirety of the Ash vs. Gladiator match and they use a lot of original music that I don't recognise from anybody anywhere else in the Pokemon franchise. So they use the X and Y music, which did happen in the J Japan uh, um, release, but that was only one part of the fight they used the X and Y battle for. The second part of the fight, they actually did use Gladion's theme, which is completely missing from the English audio, which I thought was really strange. Really strange. Look, and remind me to send you the videos after the podcast but they do use Gladion's theme in the sub which they completely miss out from the English bit um, and I guess other examples of where the sub and the dub differ is like one for example when Zero Aura appears for the first time you've got this really weird music happening in the in, in the English sort of dub but in the Japanese dub you you hear the Pokemon series theme tune you know the da -da -da, da -da -da, yeah. da -da -da. that makes things so much more epic um, Mel Metal yeah is, I agree with you Mel Metal when it's evolving um, you have the Kanto uh, gym entrance theme, you know, but they use a heavy metal variant of it as well to make it feel more epic. And so it's just really weird how the English sort of anime, anime don't sort of pull from the archives of what we have for the series. And I hope that's something that will change with the Journeys anime. Um, just talking on the Journeys anime, they've actually brought in a guy called Yuki Hayashi. Uh, and most people know him from uh, shows like Haikyuu and My Hero Academia. He does a lot of movies, uh, anime movies, or like television series as well. Um, but so far in the Journeys anime uh, for Sub, and I'm going to watch the dub as well with you when we do our review series for each uh, episode. But the kind of hmm. new sort of original... Um, music he makes for the series is so so good and i just hope that dub doesn't neglect using that because it's just it just yeah it's loses strange some sort it's of one of those things that i it loses tension in some of it's the strange scenes. because it's one of those things i don't think you need to change i think it's language agnostic so it is strange that it was it didn't even occur to me that it would be different mm. between the two mm. yeah I, it's, it's weird they've been doing it for quite a while now especially in xyz when serena has her sort of final championship battle um was it performance a final performance her build-up is like the legendary theme and then for the um english one it's just some generic background music which is weird but that aside i'm just disappointed at one thing and there's no orchestral cd that's been released for the sun and moon anime so that's really disappointed me um but yeah is there anything you want to talk about the the music in the series in general no i mean i thought that the the sun and moon music was really good it was just i think it was just to make the point that the um about the difference between um the the difference between the the dub and the sub yeah. it was really surprising yeah i i, I did um, take an effort to to clip out some stuff that i'll send you afterwards but yeah i don't know um i just hope it changes changes in journeys because i think people deserve a little bit more better when it comes to some of those scenes because you're not getting like a hundred percent of what that scene is you're only getting about 90 percent of it um but yeah, um, I mean, that's really it from me. I mean, the only sort of trivia is, like you said, Ash doesn't challenge for gym battles. Uh, gyms, uh, doesn't challenge gyms for badges. He doesn't have a hoodie or, or a jacket. He doesn't catch a regional bird. You know, there's quite quite a lot of um, trivia. None of the movies during the Sun and Moon anime are connected to Sun and Moon in any sort of way. Um, we've had the most human protagonists in this, um, in this series. And yeah, no, uh, that, that's it really from me. Uh, if you've got any other business. No, I mean we we've we've exhausted ourselves on uh, on the Sun and Moon anime. Yeah, have you been taking timestamps by the way? <laughs>
uh yeah no. yeah this podcast is going to be up on monday or tuesday guys <laughs> i do have to edit one bit yeah it's been a, for the most part it's been it's a been bit good. of a marathon this one yeah normal service resume next week yeah. but we, we will do um some sort of spoiler cast for each episode of the pokemon uh journeys anime we'll just have to figure that out and it might take a month or so but we'll get there and we'll catch up so uh be patient with us but till then thank you so much for listening and look we'll be back on sunday for a brief episode if anything um so we'll see you then Take care. Bye, guys. Oh, twitch.tv slash Kumail H on Sunday, 7.30pm uh, uh, GMT. You can find us on Spotify as well uh, and YouTube as well. Just search the Pokey Ramble podcast. All right, bye. <laughs>